it's become, on one hand, harder and harder for average men, and on the, on the other hand, easier and easier if you can make yourself seem above average and have like the status that, that, that women would want. David, is there a war on successful men right now? Like, does the world hate successful men? It certainly seems that uh, some people would like there to be less successful men. Why? Is it... Like, is that not what the, the world needs? Is that not what gets us out of difficult times? I would say so. I would say, I would say that it plays a big role. I would say that there's a lot of people who it seems they just want to destroy everything that was just because, right? It seems like a lot of people who anything that you would consider traditional or maybe what got us here is not the way forward. And I'm not sure if that's because... I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could understand, right? If I understood that, maybe I could offer more light on it. I don't, I don't understand the need for that. Do you think it's come from the feminist movement? I think it has. And that's, it's tough because I think you had like first wave feminism and second wave feminism, right? There were more about let's get the right to vote. Let's get the right to go to school and have an education, which I understand that, right? I think that's probably good. That's probably good for society to have more educated people. Everyone can have the right to vote. Uh, but it seems that there's some people who don't want it to end, right? And there's some people maybe who want to feel like it's, they're constantly oppressed. And I don't know if that empowers them. But it's like, what's the next envelope that we can push? And I think it's gotten to a point where it's gotten into things like transgenderism. And then also, now men are bad. Rather than we want women to be equal to men, it almost feels like now, no, we want women maybe not everybody right but there's suddenly maybe a loud minority who want maybe women to be above men that's how it would feel to me so i heard um pearl yes uh, on a podcast saying that women shouldn't have the right to vote i heard that clip what do you think about that so well okay so her argument when she first said it was like look men have gone to war men have fought for like the reality that we have now but then that would make me question, okay, so the men that haven't gone to war, I haven't gone to war, should the men who haven't gone to war have the right, not have the right to vote as well? Obviously, you're not Pearl, so I can't really d debate that with you, yeah. but that would be my question. She did frame it a different way and said, perhaps maybe it should be one vote per household in the sense that like, we shouldn't be maybe allowing like, the man and the woman to uh, vote separately because perhaps maybe that could cause some inner tension or inner struggle mm. is not there. And maybe there's some logic there. But like on the like the, the the first aspect of it of like well men went to war so they should be able to vote. Not every dude went to especially now it's a minor, very small minority of men going to war. Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts? What do I think? I I mean. I don't. I think we should have an equitable society, but not an equal society because we are not equal. Like you don't give a twelve-year-old the old the right to vote. Yeah. I like the idea of. A household vote, yeah. In in which you know a man, a woman, and even the children consult and vote. Um, well, I'd like that because it would support the nuclear family, which I still think is a good. thing. A lot of people don't. I know you. You have a family. Yeah. I'm building a family. I still think it's a good thing. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting. I've definitely seen a bit of a backlash. I mean, you know, if you think it's easy for me to say I'm a man, not a woman. I am. You know, women have been very oppressed for a long time. And I can only imagine how that must feel and to not have equal opportunity and to, to feel like a second-class citizen. What seems to happen is, you know, it's swung the other way mm. where instead of women trying to become equal, like you said, we're trying to suppress 
what makes a man a man because of what we've had to put up with over hundreds of years. But I'm not sure that's productive. Yeah, I don't know why. Because a female by nature is feminine, a man by nature is masculine. And of course, the, the same way that there's... Yeah, we're not equal. But this is what I mean by equ equity. Yes. Over equal equality. Yes. Fairness, but not equality. We are different. No, we're very different. From our very from the bar biology, right? Yeah, and I think that of course there's always going to be some men who are more feminine, and that's okay. And there's going to be some women who are more masculine, right? And that's okay too, right? I think that there's always a spectrum for a certain individual, maybe to like the amount of masculine energy or tendencies they have to the feminine energies or tendency they have. But on average, men are going to be more masculine, and women are going to be more feminine. And it seems like and look, if something really naturally happens, I don't know what it would be. Some I don't know, another comet hit Earth or something, or something really bizarre happened and that somehow over, I don't know, started to, I don't even know how it happened, but started to change the fabric of society, that'd be one thing, but it feels like it's trying to be engineered by like a small group of people that's trying to be like force-fed that this is what it should be, and that's what feels wrong about it, I think. What's with all this alpha sigma male bullshit that's going around? <laughs> I mean, fucking hell, anyone who calls themselves an alpha male yeah. surely is a, by definition a delta, a dick. <laughs> a delta. <It's> like, <laughs> what, it, it, is that maybe a backlash? So the, the oppression that the feminists have felt, they backlash, mm. they effeminate masculinity. And then the re backlash reaction to that is, fuck you, I'm even more of a man-man. I think that's I part of it. I am an alpha male. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it, because I think the more recent, I don't know what you call it, manosphere, red pill, a lot of what's, people... What's manosphere? I never heard that phrase. The same thing as red pill. Like, the manosphere, well, I don't know, maybe people don't talk about it as much anymore, but it would be like the, the men who are propagating the red pill message, which maybe now has changed from... When I was younger, the message was more just... Be more confident, you know, increase your money, build up your body. But now it seems like it's, it's become more reactive to uh, let's fight against the extreme feminism. And maybe that's what's needed. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's, there's, there's some balance that's trying to be restored there, and that's okay. In terms of the sigma alpha male thing, yeah, I, I think that people say alpha male, high value man, top 1% man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's top one percent dick. <laughs> <laughs> there's maybe some value to a word like alpha male or, or high value man in the sense that it could portray several different points of data in in one word. But obviously, it's become kind of like a a bit cheesy, right? <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you think society's at right now? I mean, like I'm 44, yeah. and I've never seen the world like this. Like this is unprecedented times where I feel like we're on the precipice of a revolution. And revolutions, if you look back through history, they're common, they happen. Mm -hmm. You go through these cycles, empires last 100 years max, there's a revolution, there's an overthrow, and then bang, you know, there's another empire. Mm. How, where do you see we're at in society right now? I mean, you've moved out to Marbella. Yep. You've moved away from America. There yes. must be reasons for that. You know, yeah. Part of it's this, I mean, part of it's the, the culture and the climate. Yeah. Part of it's the the quality of life here. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but yeah, I do think in uh, America. I know it seems the UK is a similar type of culture war going on now, yeah. right? Where it's crazy it's, taxes. Yeah, the taxes are high. The government's trying to get away with more than it's ever tried to get away with before. It seems like through things we saw with the lockdown. Yes, with taxes. I don't know. Obviously, it seems like. 
maybe around 2016 when Trump got elected that it brought a lot of these like issues to like the the surface and that's kind of what's what like was one of the more catalysts for the culture war and I'm not blaming it on on Trump I just think that that he gave a voice to maybe some people who feel like they didn't have a voice and then a lot of people didn't didn't like that uh, you know I think that the mainstream media have you ever seen them attack someone as much as they attack Donald Trump for they're still doing it what eight years later nine mm. years later no seven years later yeah yeah do you reckon that um as a content creator yourself yeah do you think that mainstream media is dying I hope it's dying I mean it's acting like it's dying isn't it it's yeah like the the clickbait and the desperation that you sense like, I don't know if you know much in the UK about what happened with Philip Schofield not too familiar. No, but, but basically, you know, the media just went for him. He didn't do anything illegal, maybe slightly immoral, maybe broke a, an employment contract, but basically had an affair with a, a much younger man, legal age. Yes. And, and they just absolutely went for him. And I'm like, this is just, just stinks of desperation. I, the BBC with Andrew Tate. Yeah. You know, yeah, just yeah. like feeding nonsense. Well, they, it just they, stinks of desperation. They've lost my trust, right? Because the, the problem is they never take accountability either, right? It seems like they have the narrative they push. We saw this with, uh, I don't know, right? There, there was a lockdown. Lot, well, the lockdown was yeah. one, right? The effectiveness of the vaccines. You can talk about the reasons why you need to wear a mask, why you need to isolate, then more and more research coming out, disproving all these mm. things. We never got any sort of apology or, nah. even, or even acknowledgement. That Consequences. They, Yes, there was yeah. no consequences, and so they keep pushing it. There's like the Hunter Biden laptop thing that was like laughed at as a conspiracy. It was all true. Yeah. You, there's like thing. It's one thing after another after another, and it's not just that they covered both sides of the what could possibly happen. It was like they force fed. This is what's right. That's wrong. If you yeah. don't get the vaccine, you're killing other people. It's a fucking propaganda machine. And then, regardless of what truth happens to come to surface. It's just like there's a collective amnesia that, no, we're just going to be mad at you. That's what it feels like, right? It feels like we're just going to be scolded for the next thing regardless. So I hope that that at least maybe is the the benefit of the last eight years is that there's a bit of of awakening amongst. Yeah. I know in the the older, they call it like the boomer generation, I guess, that perhaps they may be beyond saving. I think that that was their childhood, what the television says is right. And maybe they're not able to... So objectively, like perceive some of these things, but I would hope that your age, my age, and younger that that's the positive impact. Is that I think more and more people have a distrust for like the mainstream media and are looking for more independent sources. You know, there's a lot of good YouTube channels that cover things like politics and news from a, yeah. a less biased angle. I think. Yeah, I mean, BBC in the UK is supposed to be an independent, non-biased, factual media outlet it absolutely has been proven it is not it is a propaganda machine well in the u.s even for forever you were here okay cnn's going to tell you what the liberal democratic party thinks fox is going to tell you what the republican conservative people think and then even when i was growing up but then you would think but if i see a report from the bbc even as an american that's going to be a lot more uh unbiased yeah yeah no <laughs> no no anymore. maybe it was 15 years ago yeah maybe know. maybe it was yeah um yeah, you know, as an independent content creator, yeah. yourself as well, yeah. I think, I always think competition is a great thing. Yeah. You know, if you have competition in fitness, you get stronger. Yep. If you have competition 
business. In business, you, you know, you, um, better you products, get better. Better you make, marketing. Yeah, you yeah. build better things. You have better products and services. And um, yeah, I, I'm enjoying seeing, you know, the decentralization of media now. Yeah. Where there's more competition for content uh, and therefore more people have a voice. There's more decentralization. You think that's a good thing? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... Because the more centralized things are, and this is my worry with things like AI or the, the governments wanting to release their own form of like cryptocurrency. Oh, they're, they're pushing central digital currency. Fuck me, don't get me started well, on this. Well, the more and more centralized you yeah. get things, the less and less freedom that we have. Yeah. Right? It's going to get to a point where it's going to be, it could get to be a very dark future, right? Where if the government has control over all the information, all the flow of money, mm. well, we just have to accept whatever we're told. We maybe with AI replaces all our jobs. The government has control over everything because they control the the top tier technology of the time. What where like where where are we left? Right? Yeah. Just getting our hand out for the month and living in the block three forty two B or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember someone said to me twenty years ago, "If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything." Yeah. And. Um, you know, when lockdown happened, yeah. there was a lot of people that complied through fear. And I understand that we're all at... The first it, few weeks seemed scary. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. It seemed a lot of... This is spreading like crazy. Wait, it was just in China. Now it's in New York. Yeah, and yeah, what's yeah, gonna yeah. Happen? yeah. Yeah, get that. Yeah. Um, you know, but once you've got some facts, you know, I think it's really important. The things that you believe in, you stand up and you speak out about, even if you're going to get ridiculed, even if you could get cancelled. I think... Nothing changes unless we actually fucking stand up for things like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we just comply and we just do what we're told, we're going to be in this dystopian... 1984. Yeah, globalized, yeah. globalized future where 12 powerful people sit around a table and own the world. And, and like, that can't happen. Like, fuck you. <laughs> that... Well, like, I, I would have... I, for a long... Most of my life, I trusted that the government as a whole was at least, I'm sure there's corruption, but was at least trying to manipulate or control things to a positive way. But the last four years, I just, I don't think so, man. No. I don't think so. No, this, this central, you know, look, I'm a balanced human. You know, there's a lot to be excited about in the world. Yeah. There, you know, there's yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Anyone can start a business. You can be a content creator. Yes. Yeah. You know, you can, you can live a mobile life. There's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. But this idea of a central digital currency, where essentially... Um, I can access your bank account when I want. Mm -hmm. Every transaction I've ever yeah, made. I, I can bang inflation to 50% if I want and halve the value of your money. Mm -hmm. I can tell you you've got to spend three grand out of your bank account to kickstart the economy in the next 30 days or I'm taking it off you. I can track every single transaction ever that you are involved in. Private, public. I mean, yeah. what's the good in that? Not for us. Nothing good for us. And I think maybe we can sell some benefits that it's simpler. You don't have to worry as much about your different credit cards or different things, right? There could be some, they could sell it to you that it, maybe it's simpler, but... I mean, day, a, lot, a lot of people don't have a bank account. A lot of people don't have the internet, like yeah. logistically. Yeah. How does that work? Outside of the first world, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking hell. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of people out there who are like 19. I get fucking emails all the time. Rob, I want to come on your show. I'm 19 and I'm a dating coach. <laughs> when I was 19, I didn't know shit about everything. So, um, you know, your content on sort of relationship advice seems to go really viral. So what's going on in the world with people and relationships? Well, I think 
men are more disillusioned than ever. Um, and I understand it. I felt my path was my past was feeling kind of like invisible to women for and I got into college, you know, I had the, the one or two friends who were always getting laid, I always had a different girl and I felt like Bro, this is, this is, what are they doing? Is this some like magic sauce? That <laughs> what did I know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I understand feeling really powerless and invisible. And then, and I went through that, that transformation of putting in work, trying to understand women, trying to put myself out there more, getting okay, uh, comfortable with rejection, working on, I guess, leveling myself up to get access to uh, a, a higher tier of women or to get access to any woman at first. But that was before this kind of, uh, feminist woke culture that that we have now and now I see a lot of comments you know but if I try and do this she's gonna think uh, she's gonna think it's some type of assault or something or I'm afraid that I could be files charges could be filed against me I don't think there's any legitimate fear there but those thoughts never even entered my head 10 years ago so I think that even though those aren't legitimate and it's just another excuse right to like is why you're not gonna like try and ask that girl out. I do understand that I think for guys right now, it seems very bleak for a lot of men. And then the, and then the other problem I think is that you have a lot of um, people more in the red pill space, or like an Andrew Tate, who top 1% men, right? And, and, the, and there's a reality that you can see through them that well, look, if you're a top 1% man, you have access to any girl, right? And then that's when you have to set these hard boundaries with women that this is okay, this is not okay. And I think there's uh, advice like this is good, right? Because maybe it motivates the guys to get their finances in order, to get their body in order, to get to that point. Uh, but there's a lot of average men because, I mean, the world has to follow like the law of averages, right? There's gonna be like 80% of men, well, maybe let's say 10% are notably below average, 10% are notably above average, 80%, like that's the bell curve, right? Mm. Are similarly average. And it's it, that's the tough reality right now with things like Instagram, with dating apps that have kind of made it if there's an attractive woman now, she can easily meet as many guys as she wants. It doesn't have to just be the guy who approached her at the gym. It's like you could, I could be the guy who approached her at the gym, and ten years ago, maybe I stood out enough for my confidence and, and my looks. But now, maybe she has a guy with four hundred thousand followers in, in her DMs, and and so I don't mean anything to her, right? So I think that it's it's become on one hand harder and harder for average men, and on the on the other hand, easier and easier if you can kind of make yourself seem, whether it's through your money, through your appearance, through your social media, you can make yourself seem above average and have like the status that the, the women would want, it's gonna be easier for you than ever. So I think it's kind of, uh, it's another one of these changes we're talking about over the last, I don't know, four to eight to 10 years that I think yeah. the dating market has completely, completely changed. Well, let's get into that in a minute, but I wanna sort of get the definition right. Yeah. So what the fuck yeah. is a high value man? <laughs> I mean, that, that <laughs> term makes me cringe. Yeah. And my wife is always like, that ain't no high value man. That's no high value man. I'm like, so what is a high value man? Okay, I agree. That the, I, can, I can agree it's a, a cringy term to start. Yeah. But like I said, I think it can be helpful as a quick definition. Yeah. So I think if as a man, there's a few like simple things that you, that you need to have in order in your life to, to A, just have more freedom to do the things you want. So like the sooner you can get your money in order, whether that's through improving your career, starting your own business, investing. Also, that's very attractive to women, right? Because women are naturally- Security. Yeah, security. Yeah. They want a provider. They want someone they feel comfortable yeah. and safe with who can take care of things. If they have kids, that it's not gonna be a financial strain. So yeah. I don't think that it's 
all gold diggers. I think there's very real uh, evolutionary things that make money attractive to women. Yeah. Second, like physical fitness, and this could even go back to the same thing. A physically fit man, yeah, he looks good, he's sexy, but at the same time, I mean, you, you just you just had a fight a couple weeks ago, right? Mm. I think a woman also wants to feel like she's with a guy that if the shit hit the fan, yeah, he'd be able them. to protect her, right? Yeah. So you have finances, Show you discipline, have physical fitness, ambition. Yeah, and then yeah. beyond that, I, th- I would think it's a lot of like the mental game, which would be things like determination, discipline, consistency, confidence, um, just developing yourself in a sense that you, you're able to take risks in your life. If things go wrong, you're not shattered. You're able to kind of like regroup. Do, whether that's approaching a girl and getting rejected, whether that's trying to launch a business that fails, um, just having that, that aspect of mental toughness that you kind of believe in yourself. So I, I would say, if I'm trying to give the simplest definition for yeah. a high-value man, having like, if you have these things, three things in order, that kind of makes you what you could consider like a top 1% man in the sense that, look, there's some guys you're going to go to the gym, they're, they're ripped, they're jacked, but they're completely broke, mm. or they're struggling to hold eye contact with you, or there's someone who has a lot of money, but they're, they're completely out of shape. Right, so I think when you combine those three things, um, especially on the dating market, there's not too many guys who can really compete, right? And that's going to immediately make your dating life a lot easier mm. because it's like a trifecta of, okay, well, you actually approached the girl and asked her out and knew how to lead the relationship forward. That's the mental aspect. And then she was attracted to, to, the, to the money and the, the physical fitness as well. Yeah. I saw something recently which I found really interesting. Um, and I really liked it. It was from Justin, Justin Waller. Yeah. And he said, you know, instead of focusing on chasing girls and learning all these gimmicks and tricks. Just focus on excellence. Focus on getting your money in order. Mm. Focus on getting in good shape and being a useful human. And you'll attract the right people to you. What do you think about that? I think that's true. I think it's true. I think if you're the only like caveat would be, if we're talking dating specifically is, if you're someone like me, you had like this deep ingrained fear of maybe feeling inadequate or like, I'm just afraid, like getting rejected seems like the worst thing in the world. If I had completely ignored that part of my life and only focused on money and, and fitness, I would have built some confidence through that, but I still may have shit my pants trying to talk to a girl because <laughs> I, I hadn't like given myself any experience yeah. there. So I think it's still mm-hmm. important to be able to like to get comfortable putting yourself out there, you know? Yeah. But I still, I do agree with it. I think that those should be the priority. Yeah. Because that's going to make those, that's like the key that will solve, make everything else fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a bit of an old bastard. I'm 44. Yeah. So um, how I met my wife was I fucking went straight up to her in a bar and started talking to her. Yeah. Absolutely, as to use your phrase, shitting my pants. (laughs) Um, But at least I knew what she looked like and I knew what I was getting into. And now, like, everyone I meet on Instagram does not look like their fucking photographs. Yeah. That's another problem. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Like, dating to me at the moment... Are you talking about men or women or both? Both. Okay. You know, you meet people and you're like, fucking hell, you're a lot shorter, you're a lot fatter. Oh, clearly the lighting was good. You know, I thought you were an eight, you're actually a six. And there's a lot of mis-selling going on on online dating. What do you think about that? I think on average, women like taking photos more. It's something they do with their friends more. So women on average are going to have photos that portray them as attractive as they are or more attractive. Yeah, oh, the high angle, right? Yeah, the high fuck angle. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. The, the, the body's twisted. Like, I don't even yeah. know. You, but yeah. that's what they're good at, it, right? Yeah. If you see girls take photos, they take 100 photos, and each time the, the, the friend's telling her, hey, no, actually look this way. Actually twist your body this way. Do you not think this is fucking with people's self worth? No, no, I, no, I do. I do. Yeah. 
But I think that men, on the other hand, on average, yeah, on social media you can see a lot of guys who take a lot of photos. But on average, I don't think guys give a shit about taking photos. So no. I think on average, a problem I see with a lot of guys, they get on dating apps and maybe they're not a half bad looking guy. But their photos are them right. seven years ago with their with yeah. their buddies all. So men are underselling themselves and women are overselling themselves on average. And I think that's just, but I think that's a more feminine thing is to care a little bit more about the appearance and having the photos and more masculine things. Like I don't really give a shit about that. I'm not going to put the time into that. So I think that also yeah. leads to a, when the the dating market now is digitalized through social media through dating apps. I think that also tilts things a bit out of balance. Um, but again, that's why if I'm working with a guy to help him with his dating life. Like a priority one, it's stupid. I wish it wasn't the reality, but it has to be okay. You, we need to get you set up with like a local photographer just to like, so right. you can at least portray yourself as you are instead of these like grainy old, you know, photos yeah. from a basement of a party six years ago. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Something happened in France recently, which I actually was for. I'd love yeah. your thoughts on yeah. it. But they made filters illegal on social media in all of France. Yeah, France. So, if I, so, so there was a push. For, you know, these filters you get on social so media that, to, that makes you look skinnier and yeah. fucking makes your face look like a triangle yeah. and, <laughs> you, you know, and all that. Because you, the purpose of regulation is to avoid monopolies and create a safe market environment. And in the world of social media, where we're comparing ourselves to everyone all the time, I think extreme filters where you're mis-selling yourself, I think they're fucking really dangerous, mm. you know, for your, your mental health and your self-worth. I was really pro that. Yeah. I was pro yeah. not being allowed to have these crazy filters that yeah. make you look really different. What do you think about that? Look, if I could snap my fingers and remove all filters, I'd do it. Yeah. But right now, let's do it. Let's get rid of it. Surely them. that's perpetuating vanity and low self-worth, isn't it? No, 100%. I would yeah. agree. If I, if I could snap my fingers and do it, I would do it. But then people would still get on Photoshop and do something. Like we're talking about the world's a competitive place and mm. this is another form of competition. It's not a good one. And I think the danger is not necessarily to the dating market. There is a danger there, but... At the end of the day, I'm going to show up and meet you at the bar. And if, if you're a four instead of eight, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might be polite and get one drink with you, but I mean, it's, it's not going to lead anywhere. Latest, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think the bigger danger is what you're saying is more the... Uh, the mental health. The mental health yeah. for people who are comparing themselves to other people, yeah. seeing these filters, or just that the filters are enabling people to th maybe think that I look like this, but then w w when you look in the mirror, what do you think? I see this a lot with both body dysmorphia with people trying to work on their bodies or I went through it where you're at the gym, they got the lights coming right down yeah. at you like this, you take your shirt off, you can see every cut in your body, you, the, maybe the mirrors are even like concave or something, mm. they make it a little bit wider and then you come home, you get out of the shower, there's no crazy lighting on you and that was when I was in the beginning of my gym journey, I'd be like, fuck man, I'm actually, I look like shit mm. and this is like that evolved to the nth degree so yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's going to change, I'm, I mean, unless it I'm surprised I didn't know this about France. Yeah. I feel like this isn't going to change because that's what people want and the market wants to give people what they want. Like Instagram, if they remove the filters, maybe less people use Instagram. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I, I agree with you, it's probably bad for mental health. I mean, yeah. not a, not probably, it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, something I really believe, I'd love your thoughts on this, yeah. is pretty much everyone, it seems, universally, there's yeah. some universal truths about life, I yeah. think, and one of them seems to be that we want to be loved for who we are. Yeah. Like everyone want, no one wants to be disowned and ridiculed and rejected yeah. and ostracized and everyone wants to be loved for who they are. Yeah. So why are so many people out there in this state of mind where they're projecting a false image of themselves? How can you expect someone to love you for who you are when you're portraying a false and inauthentic image of who you are? Well, I think this ties in with the filters, right? 
I think there's a pressure. There's this, this sense of competition online that you have to keep up. But I wish people could funnel that productively, right? Because if I feel like I'm not going to be loved who I am because I'm out of shape. I don't have any money. And then that motivates me now to start putting in work in different areas of my life. Well, that was actually like maybe a good, a good impulse, even though it was a negative self-thought. Yeah. It, it was used productively, right? So le- leveraging the pain. To, yeah, yeah, leveraging the pain to change, to use it as kind of like, you know what, this is, this is who I am now, but I'm going to make a fucking comeback. It's going to mm. be like my hero story, whatever you want to call it. I'm going like, I'm, I'm to build myself up. That's good. The bad side is I don't think that's what most people do. I think yeah. most people probably resort to the filters or, yeah. or trying to tell a tall tale. Shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. Tummy tucks, fat burner pills, yeah. steroids, which we'll talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. in a minute yeah, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like the, the world of social media is so false, so fickle, so inauthentic. It, like, maybe I'm sounding like an old bastard because yeah. I imagine you know, a 20-year-old m- might think different. Well, I mean, it's become a marketplace to show how cool you are, right? And that's not a positive thing, I don't think. I mean, I... No. I, I like, who gives a fuck what anyone thinks? Surely yeah. it's better to live a great life than pretend to live a great life, isn't it? I would say so. The one of them is going to lead to fulfillment and happiness. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're... cool interactions like this, and yeah. well, the other one's what? You just... I yeah, don't know. If, yeah, if you live your life p- taking photos for Instagram, do you not just miss life? Well, that's something I've struggled with a lot. Because as my YouTube channel started to grow, I felt like I couldn't waste opportunities um, because it could be good content. Yeah, but you've merged there yeah. your life with your work. Yes. You could argue you've got some bad. You love what you do. You do what you love. Surely that is a great way to live life, isn't it? Yes, yes. I would agree. I would yeah. agree. But I still, I felt like sometimes I couldn't enjoy a moment fully because I had to, ugh, yeah. we got to put the drone up right now. we got to get a drone yeah, shot of yeah, this yeah. or something. And like you say, maybe it's not a bad thing because I think it also maybe pushed me to do some cooler things because I was like, well, I could use this for content if we go do this today. Um, but I have made effort over the past few years to like have days to not care about having to share yeah. everything on Turn the phone media. off. Yeah, and you start yeah. to realize also like based on the amount of content I'm going to produce, I don't necessarily need this. This would be something extra that's not really needed anyway. So this is this can be for us, for me, or for me and my wife. You know, this could just be for us or for me yeah. and my friends. Yeah, yeah. On that note, let's talk about content then, because yeah. we were talking before the cameras went off. Yeah, we were moaning about the algorithms and the fickle nature. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have ten million followers yeah. selling yourself out, mm-hmm. jumping on every trend, mm-hmm. or have twelve followers? but you really love the art that you create. Are you an artist or a whore? Which one would you rather? You a- well, that's an extreme example. <laughs> yeah, of course it is, but <laughs> you gotta pick one first. Well, with 12 followers, I, there's, there's no potential for monetization, but no. maybe it can be built upon from there. So maybe yeah. there's a future. So if I, I, if, I, if I could, if I, and I've done this, I guess, right? And so have you, we have built an audience. So if I, knowing what I know now, I still might take the 12 knowing that I could build it to something mm. from there. If you told me hey, it's a cap, it's 12, like no one else is going to follow you. Yeah. Well, that almost seems a little pointless because if I have 12 followers, yeah. maybe, what's one guy watching each video? Exactly. Not, not every follower is watching how, each video. How is what you do useful if no one can see it? Yeah, at the end of the day, it feels like I'm just jerking off then if I'm just making videos that no <laughs> yeah, one's watching. For yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, um, you know, you see a lot of people jumping on trends yeah. and you see them flash in the moment, you know, mm. go really big and viral and they're, they're here and they're gone and they're here and they're gone. And you see social media algorithms change. Yeah. You know, you and I built up a decent following and it's almost like now you're almost punished for having a good following because you've put all this time into these channels and they're like, ah, subscribers don't matter. Ah, what trends matters? So 
it's tough because I can see why it became what it became. Because now, okay, so we used to have a, at least with YouTube, we used to have a more follower-centric model, or mm. subscriber-centric model. If I subscribe to you, YouTube's always gonna give me your videos, yeah. and I can follow you like I follow a Netflix show, right? And people were bought into the journey of the content creator, yeah, right? And maybe there's a little bit more intimate, people built a little bit more relationship with you, yeah. they trusted you. They didn't care, you have to make this video, that it was, it seemed people, the viewing habits were more, I enjoy this guy's creativity or his production, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride with him. Now, and again, it feels like it's been manipulated a bit. I don't know it's the viewer's choice, but I think that the social media companies learned, especially with short form content, where if I open it up, I just scroll to the next yeah. one. And, and, and the way that they choose which ones you see are the ones that, that have the highest retention, right? Mm. So they, they know how to play on our attention span. So now it's turned into more what I, they want you to see. Well, they want to keep you on. You choose to see. Well, they want to maximize your time on the app at all costs, yeah. right? And it's like I think they prioritize that above everything yeah. else. So now, rather than maybe it being a good place to to learn or to find knowledge um, or to enjoy a cinematic piece of content, it's gonna it's more just how the fuck do we keep this guy just keep yeah. his brain plugged into YouTube or Instagram? I think that's negative for me, partly because like both of us, we, we put a lot of investment building up these audiences okay, and it feels yeah. like now- Time and money and energy and- Love and dedication, yeah, yeah. sweat and tears and blood. Yeah. And, and now it's, it, it's good for newer creators because now the competition is just the specific piece of content based on the viewing metrics of that content. It can get pushed for everyone to see. And you can make an argument that, okay, well maybe that gives more merit to the content versus someone who's like a lazy content creator and their content yeah. went off the deep end. So now they're not, we're not gonna show that anymore. So I mean, like anything, I think there's different angles to consider. But I personally, from my perspective, wish it was how it was. Yeah. Because now, like you said, we we can't just. In the past, I could publish a video that says like, "This is stupid," right? And maybe it's my take on something happening in culture that's stupid, but people would still watch because they'd be curious. Now it's got to be, I don't know, three, three three ways to put woman to put a woman in her place or so, something that's on trend that people want to see and luckily we can still craft the actual content to be true to, to ourselves and to our experiences but it does feel like there's a bit of a pressure with the titles and thumbnails at least to like have to appease the algorithm or appease like the current viewer trends of what they think they want to see mm. so like i've interviewed a lot of very successful people a lot of very creative people and i love to have this discussion yeah. this whole you know art versus trend jacker if you like yes you know because you can go insane really quick saying hey this is my art take it or leave it yeah sitting on your own in your pants yeah. no one recognizing you yeah <laughs> no one recognizing you for the skills that you've got yeah or you can be that like i don't know what how everyone else feels but i feel empty and dirty if i create content that feels inauthentic to who i am yeah. You know, if I interview the wrong, wrong kind of person or I'm just doing something to jump on a trend rather than actually having knowledge and experience, it makes me feel mm -hmm. dirty. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always trying to find the right balance mm. between having something meaningful and useful in my lane that, I'm, that I know about versus making sure that I'm seen do you have a formula, or do you do you have the balance? I mean, no, I don't. I don't. I don't have the answer. I think we're all all content creators. That's the struggle is like keeping yeah. up with the trends while also staying real to yourself. But mm. what I try and do is I'll spend a lot of my time scrolling 
through similar type of content that I make to see what's trending in my space. Mm. But it's not going to make sense for me to fill my apartment with a thousand balloons just because that video, you know what I mean? People do crazy things that are like, that would mean nothing to me. It would seem just like a nuisance. Yeah. But if there's in the male self-improvement space, ah, oh, you know, this is a concept that's trending. Well, I can identify, okay, that video performed really well for creator X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to watch those because inevitably it's going to poison my, yeah, my thought process. Or you'll end up copying it. Without, without, without even trying to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't help it at that point, no. right? You can try to not and it's still going to happen. But I'll do that and then I'll sit there, maybe contemplate the idea and say, well, you know, what could I add to this conversation? Or maybe this is just like the launching point because this is what's on trend and it allows me to launch into something that's more meaningful to me like later in the video, you know? Yeah. So that's what I, that's, that's one of my, because every week I'll have two videos. The first one's kind of sitting down more focused advice. And that's where I'll do this. The second one is kind of like a day in the life vlog. So Monday will be like the studio video. Thursday will be the day in the life vlog. And with those, I've kind of detached myself from, from the views, um, which is hard after years of seeing views go up. Yeah. With those, that's more like, look, if you're, if you're a dedicated follower, you kind of want to see what's going on behind the scenes, then tune in on Thursday. Mm. If not, everyone wants to see it, right. whatever. Yeah. Maybe because um, I was speaking to Rich Cooper, who's got entrepreneurs in cars, and he said the same thing. I was having the discussion with him, yeah. and he's like, what I do is I create a piece of content that I'm proud of. Yeah. You like it, great. Yeah. You don't, whatever. Yeah. And then I produce a piece of content that I know everyone wants. That's, that's the game. It's like the, the one, the, I look at it as different buckets. One bucket's like, this is going to be to expand the audience and get new people in the door. That's the, the second one Rich Cooper's talking about. Yeah. I know people want this. This is a pretty safe bet. I see yeah. this, this concept perform well in seven other channels. Yeah. Or maybe just one other channel, but it's a similar channel. And the other videos, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I think it's going to be way cooler than the yeah. other one, but you choose. Is it not frustrating, though? You know, when you, like, Harry and I talk about this a lot. Mm. Harry's the producer. Mm. And, you know, we can sit there and think, fucking hell, that was great content. And just no one fucking gets it. And it just gets nothing. And then you can sit here thinking, oh, that was just gimmicky and naff. And then that's the one that gets the and views. bang, like, we've got a video, nearly 5 million views, basically on the most nickable car. Yeah. And it's like in the, in the UK, yeah, yeah. everyone nicks a Range Rover. Yeah, yeah. And like everyone's lapping it up. It's the shittest piece of content You're like, ever. this isn't going to help anybody. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What, don't buy a Range Rover? Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, and then this deep, long-form, meaningful content. It's just sitting there, you know, with fucking 6,000 views. It's so frustrating. I, I, I don't know how this happens, but I've found that if I watch a video before upload and I say... That was a good fucking video. That was probably going to do shit. Yeah, and I, I almost don't want to think that because I'm like, that was a good one. I really hope everyone watches that. I know immediately that one's going to, you know, like a 10 out of 10, you skip the YouTube yeah. rankings. That one's going to be, that one's going to underperform. Yeah. And then a lot of times what, you, what you're saying happens too, where I watch it back and I'm like, I feel like I didn't really say anything in this yeah. video. Like maybe it was like a couple of good moments here and there, but like maybe I lost the plot a little bit. I don't know. And that's the one that yeah, has a million views. Yeah. Like, that fuck, man. I know. <laughs> I know. So your channel's called? How to Beast. And you've got 1.4 million, is it? Yep. Yeah. And so um, how long you been running that channel? Jan well, I had the channel before, but January 2017, I made the commitment. I'm so a you're literally a granddad of YouTube. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time in the content world, isn't it? I think I first uploaded videos 2014, maybe, but it was yeah. like I had a blog at the time. That was before like the yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Hit. That's when people <laughs> yeah, wrote blogs. Yeah. And I dwell and once or twice, some I might have had maybe 10 videos total before that where I just like basically dictated a blog post to the camera, really yeah. shitty, uh, no editing. You know, I'm yeah. breathing, looking off camera, and things in between. But then 2017, I made the investment or made the commitment. I'm gonna yeah. upload two videos every single week, Monday and Thursday, no matter what. 
and uh, since January 2017, have not have not missed a single video. And it was about maybe eight months into that year that like the channel started getting some traction. So Ed Sheeran, he said, obviously he's a mega famous artist. He yes. said, if you want to be a good songwriter, you've got to write a lot of shit songs. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? 100%. Yeah. Because people always ask me uh, YouTube advice. I say, start, make a... Make some shit content. No, make a posting schedule. Yeah. Stick to it and realize that if every piece of content is a little bit better than the last one in some way, maybe you speak a little bit more confidently. The, the, the background music's edited a little bit cleaner. The, the flow of the video flows a little better. You just adjust the lighting on the camera a little bit better. If every piece just gets a little bit better in one way, in a year or two years, it's gonna be unrecognizable, mm. but yeah, I think you gotta at first you gotta be used, especially with content. You gotta you're gonna be. I was the most. If you look at my earlier videos, I was awkward. Yeah. I was maybe trying to be the alpha male. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, welcome to the video. You know, like I, I was. I was. Motherfucker. Try, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be this person. Stop joking off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's basically what my early videos were. Yeah. But you gotta start somewhere, and you gotta find. I think a lot of people, you have to find your voice. If you're not yeah. used to doing this type of talking, it takes a long time to find your voice. And I went from being too quiet to yelling to over. Yeah. and then you finally kind of yeah. but it's shit at first it's gonna be shit and maybe maybe some people not but yeah mine was shit at first yeah. yeah what do you think stops people from starting you know a lot of people say oh you know the podcast space the youtube space everyone's doing it. it's too much competition what would you say to that it's a lot of competition but anything in life is there not room at the you know, in, in the milk bottle, the cream rises to the top. Is yeah. there not always room for the best? There's always room. It's, it's not a zero-sum game. It's yeah. not It's not a NBA team. There's five starters on the court. No. It, it, and also, people come in and go. A lot of people at the top now, it's rare to see someone yeah. who exists in the content game and stays at the top for more than... I don't know, maybe six months, yeah. a year, two years. That's kind of also a constant work. There's a bit of like a. An well, they arc. move into another space. Look at the Paul brothers. You know, they've, yeah. how they've evolved. Yes, or a lot yeah. of people. I think maybe in the yeah, a lot of people move into more business content. They don't mm. need as many views. They're selling a mentorship course or something, right? There's a lot of things that can happen. But I think the the biggest problem is you make your first few pieces of content and they're shit. Yeah, it's hard to make them because you don't have a flow. You don't have a system for doing it yet. So you put in all this time, Cost money all, to start. Yeah, you spend yeah, time. You, you spend money. You, you have this motivation, you're excited, and then you post two videos that look like shit, you look awkward on camera, they get 12 views each, zero comments, and you gotta, you gotta be ready that's gonna happen for the first year though. Mm. I, think, I think that's probably the biggest thing is to like have the expectation that like, and I also think when I started, it wasn't before it was this glorious thing. When did you start? Podcast 2016. 2016. Um, YouTube a bit later. Still the same. Three years, YouTube. Yeah, something like that. But I mean, I've been content on social media yeah. since early Facebook days. Yeah, so yeah. at that point, there wasn't like a glamorous expectation of wealth like there is now. I think yeah. that's another problem. When I started, I didn't, I didn't know I was gonna make any money. I kind of, nah. I, I had, a, I had a full time job as a software engineer, and I was like, I just want to like, I've, I'm trying to improve myself. I think it's cool to maybe try to share some of my my failures, my experiences, what works for me. I didn't think it was going to build itself into a successful channel, let alone businesses like the, off of that channel. Um, so I think that's another problem is that because it's become so glorified and such like a, almost like celebrities, right, on, on social media that it's a combination of the content being shit at first and people not having the expectation that this is going to take some time. And even it might take some time and you might just get a small following, right? Yeah. But then also I think a lot of people get in it for the wrong reasons now versus when we started. I don't think too many people were getting in it trying to like, get rich nah. I think it was more about the content or giving back or just creating yeah is there like a secret or a few tips you could give us on going viral <sighs> I think uh, 
for me, because the, the videos that built my channel up first were me approaching girls um, on the street. This was back in Boston. Yeah, so the Vox Pop stuff. That works really well right now, people approaching people and asking them questions. Well, no, mine was like hidden camera, approach the girl trying to pick her up and get her phone number. Fuck, hidden camera? Well, it's like, well, you get arrested for that now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is 2016, yeah, 2017. Yeah. It's a different world. So maybe it might even be safe to yeah. do now. I don't know. I think you could, if you do it, you could probably still do it. Yeah. But Because um, we even did one maybe a year ago, similar. Yeah. But first of all, they were very awkward approaches, partly because... That's who I was at the time, and I was just trying to be honest and authentic. I wasn't trying to show like a highlight reel. So you see some really awkward. But if you look at the top view of my channel, I think it's six million views. It's like the easy way to approach a girl works every time. And man, these are about three of the most awkward conversations you'll see. <laughs> but also, I had either Julia, my wife, who was my just become my girlfriend at the time. She was filming them, or my friend Dave was filming them. They Your were. Your girlfriend was filming you approaching. Yeah, women. people are always excited. She's supported the mission since uh, that's, since that's day what one. You call it supporting the mission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was it was using it as an example, right? But yeah. um, <laughs> supporting the mission. Yeah, uh, I love it. <laughs> a bit of spin there, yeah. Yeah, my wife's just supporting the mission. Let me fuck whoever I want. <laughs> well, I wasn't. Hey, I was just, <laughs> just playing. Yeah, just no, playing. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was just, it was just getting the phone number. Yeah, but those videos did very well. Um. The other thing I was gonna say is they're awkward to film because like I'd basically have to have to be like standing and like maybe I'd have from like here to there a stretch of sidewalk because I knew that she was over where Harry is with the uh, the camera. Yeah. And it wasn't like a it wasn't a camera with like a big zoom or anything. No. It was she's kind of like awkwardly leaning on the the pole yeah. or something. So you have to really like manufacture these conversations. I, I gotta wait till the attractive girl walks by herself right here. I gotta yeah. stop her right yeah. here. We can't walk anywhere. So it was also a bit of like an awkward setup that we had. It wasn't very natural. But the point being. How do you make a viral content? I was experimenting with different types of content. The reason I made a lot of those videos is because I noticed after I'd done one or two that a couple months later, oh shoot, this is 200,000 views on it. This is 300,000 views on it. So I think it helps to experiment making different types of content that, that, you, that you want to actually make, that you find exciting. Yeah. Yes, yes, look for inspiration for what's trending from like similar creators and maybe try those. Um, but when you find what works for you, double down on that, especially in the early stages when you're building the audience. I think you need to say, maybe it's not my favorite video to go out and approach these girls. It's a pain in the ass. I didn't mm. love doing it. But like, this is getting people in the door right now. So yeah. maybe I do, instead of doing this 10% of the videos, I do this 33% of the videos. So basically, a lot of testing, yep. looking at the analytics, the retention, the views. Yeah. And then when you, once you see some kind of trend in your content that does well, you double down on that. And you just keep that evolution moving forward. Yeah, and that's eventually going to die off because trends course, change yeah. and the algorithms change. And at some point, no one's going to hear this bug is attacking you now. <laughs> Where have you brought me? What are these flies? <laughs> he, was, he was on my shoulder a minute ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to experiment. You can't just make the one type of video that you want to make. Yeah. Experiment. Look at different types of videos that you like to watch. And maybe one of them is like tangentially related to the type of content you want to make. Yeah. And then maybe that's the one. Maybe it clicks with your personality, your personal experience, your style of filming the videos. Yeah. And you didn't expect it to be, but that's the type of content people want to see from you. And maybe it doesn't mean you have to get married to that and do it for the next yeah. 10 years. But, you know, maybe the next six months you ride that wave a little bit because yeah. there's a lot of waves in the, in the social media world. Mm. Do you think Andrew Tate is a net positive benefit to humanity? Yes, I do. I think that, because I've had this conversation with a lot of people, right? And I always say, look, the negative is that I think there's some men who use his message as an excuse just to be really negative towards women and to feel really entitled when maybe they haven't 
earned that, right? They haven't become that, that high-value man who maybe deserves the types of... Because that's the, and that's the one thing, right? He talks from his experience and his position in life where he's built himself up to being this type of high-value man. And I'm going to try to stop saying that. <laughs> your, your face is like Al- slightly contorted each time I say High value, yeah. <laughs> um, Top dog. Yeah, but that's, that's, what I, that's what I see is like the negative consequence would be like... Because if you're, if you're not at that station in life... The you bravado, don't, the arrogance. Yeah, that, you don't yeah. deserve that type of respect yeah, yeah. from people, men or women. And I think that I see it in the comments. You see people who are really just being negatively hating on women. And it's like, well, you're, who, the average guy who's leaving hate in the comments probably is a low-value man, let's mm. say, right? He's probably not at, at a, a great point in his life. So I think that's the negative thing. Now, the argument against that is these guys might be hopeless either way. And if they're just leaving like negative comments or they have bad beliefs, maybe that doesn't matter that much, right? And I think yeah. that why I'd say he's a net positive is I think as a whole, he's probably motivated, and I don't have any statistics, but I would imagine he's motivated a lot more men to take positive action in their life versus the men who are just using these things as like a cop-out excuse. You know, because for even the negative comments I see, I see a lot of positive comments that mm. watching Tate, you know, really motivated me to get out of a suicidal state, or he's got me in the gym, he's got yeah. me working on my money. So I think on average, he's, he's motivated more men to take positive action. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm friends and I know a lot of people who know him intimately, been friends with him for 15 years, yeah. and they think he's really misunderstood. Do you think he's misunderstood? Well, and I, I don't know him personally, but I know when I had Jay Waller here, for example, um, who's quite good friends with him now, he said the same thing. He said, look, I think he he's put on a very aggressive uh, personality to get to where he is now, but there's a softer side to him or a more humane side to him that he doesn't expose as much. And because I haven't seen him personally, I don't, I don't know, you know, mm. I, 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 I can't say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke said to me yesterday, he said, you know, the reason Andrew is so popular is because he says truths, he speaks truths, but in a way that people don't like. What agree. do you think about that? I would agree. Because he'll start by saying something like, uh, let's see if we got to give an example. He'll start with a very, very, uh, not violence but a very intense statement that he knows 80% of people are going to disagree with. But before he said it, he already had, he knows where the conversation and the debate's going to go, and he has like a a piece of truth that's backing that up that you can't really argue with, Mm -hmm. right? And that's, I think that's his genius that's allowed him to be, to have all, especially because I think his virality, a lot of it came from the short clips on TikTok or YouTube shorts or Instagram reels. So I think he's become a genius of that. I'm trying to think of one of the examples of these things because, I don't know, let's say, uh, I don't want to have a woman pilot or something he'll say, right? And then if you talk to him and you get down to the, to, the, to the very end, he's like, no, well, if we're going through a storm statistically, you know, men stay more calm in these type of situations, so that's why it would make sense. And you can't really argue with that at the end of the day. Mm. But when you first just say, I don't want to, if I walk to the plant, I don't have a woman pilot. There's a lot of people going to get upset about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like, I'm really enjoying being alive right now and seeing this happen in front of our very eyes because normally to get such powerful and profound lessons you have to look back retrospectively but i feel like we're in the middle of this storm of andrew tate where does it end does he get assassinated does he come out the other side is he imprisoned is he exiled does you know does he become the next president of the united states (laughs) we'll only know when we look back, but yeah. it's a fascinating case study. Yeah, I think it's, so I grew up in Boston mainly, and the New England Patriots is the, the football, the American football team there, right? And Bill Belichick was the coach. So you had Bill Belichick, you had Tom Brady, and they had this dynasty, right, where they won six Super Bowls, or mm. seven Super Bowls over 15 years. 
And Bill Belichick would always, he would always have this culture where he would go into the press conferences, he would say nothing or be really rude to the reporters, but the idea was he was like taking the heat of the external world so that the, the players could just stay focused and not feel the drama and they could, they could perform. And I feel like maybe there's a bit of a parallel here where Andrew Tate has taken a lot of the heat and pressure for saying things that are not okay to say, not okay to say in today's day and age, maybe some of these things about gender or money, but it's opened up a space now where it's okay to have healthy debates about these things. And that's another reason I think he's a net positive. Do uh, we have any healthy debate though? Because it seems that <laughs> there's just such fucking, it's everything is left and right, right and wrong. Maybe, and maybe, bad. yeah, that's a good point. That's Red a, and blue. Uh-huh. You know, everything seems so polarized and divided. And then all that, this is where I think social media has a lot to answer for. It, ex- it exacerbates that problem. Well, this is the problem it, we're oh, talking about, the clips. It, yeah. it, it only pushing... It only rewards anything that's controversial, outrageous, extreme, polarizing yeah. and triggering. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd agree. I think that's the same algorithm changes we're talking about. Yeah. Those are the clips that are going to get more engagement. They're going to get rewatched and shared more. That doesn't mean it's for a net positive for society, though. Yeah. Because really, a lot of these clips, just if you look in the comments, it's... It's a war, right? Yeah. It's a war. So maybe he's he's taken the heat and allowed it to be a little bit more acceptable to debate mm. these things. But he's he's playing the game, though, isn't he? Well, he's because playing he, the algorithm game. Yeah, right? if yeah. he's saying things that everyone thinks, but in an extreme way, if yeah. that's the truth, he's fucking playing them. He's playing the game. But I do think these are important discussions to have. Some of these like the changes, the thing we talked about at the beginning, about feminism and what a man mm. is versus what a woman is, and they're not equal, they're not the same thing. He's opened up a little bit of a space to at least talk about these things. And I'm not saying it's all, it's all polite, happy yeah. discourse. Yeah. Oh, it's nice that you believe that. Well, yeah. I believe this. A lot of it's very aggressive. But I do think that, I can only speak for my life, but I do think that in private, it does open up more uh, like rational, logical discussions. But if you base, the problem is if we base our anything off of like what we see in the comments, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the the vocal minority, right? It's yeah. gonna be the very loud few arguing and hating each other. I would hope that, like I've seen in my own life, that it's opened up these type of debates in private with people not absolutely hating each other. But I do, I do see that. I, I also have seen it people being mad at each other in private. I have seen it cause conflict between people in private. Someone being okay by by saying. No, you know, I do think a woman should have a more traditional role in marriage. And then I've seen that person have friends who then almost wanted to dis- disown them and not yeah, associate well, with them. In the lockdown, there were lifelong friendships being broken based on whether you took the vaccine or not. Or wore a mask or not. Yeah. And, and like, to me, that's insane. I have this theory. Yeah. My theory is that we will evolve and transcend these difficult times if we learn how to have discussion, debate, and discourse in a respectful way. Like, I don't have a need to hate you. You're a fellow human being. The odds of us being on this planet at this fucking tiny speck in history are about a zillion to one. We're fighting the same war. We have the same problems. Why are we enemies? Why are we not friends? Why can't we have discussion and discourse and debate and even argument? And, And... put our energy into the thing to better humanity. But, it feels like but not fucking hate you for it. What, what, what? It seems like we're even further away from that, though. Yeah. Because I remember it when does. I was a kid in... Oh, you're pro-vaccine? Fuck you. But I remember when I was a kid in maybe in the States in 2004 in school, let's say, 
And I might have messed up the year, but you had, you know, you had the presidential debates back then, and maybe it was Al Gore against George Bush. They were actually debating and discussing the issues they disagreed on, whether it was war or gay marriage. Now they don't even want to have debates anymore no. because people don't people don't even, aren't even open to changing. So it seems like we're getting further away from that world. Maybe it takes an overcorrection, though. I mean, I think that's the only positive that can come out of this is that. We, we notice that we've gone so far away to it and, and we gravitate back to a place where it's it can be okay to dis disagree on things and still be friends. Yeah. Because I've seen it with a lot of people. I've seen it, I've heard a lot of people say, if you if that if that person supports Trump, I, I can't be in the same room as them. Like what what the what yeah. Because what, what, like, that makes no sense to me because of everything you just said. Yeah. We're, like, we're humans at the end of the day. You can believe something I think is outrageous and I can still sit down and have a beer with you and laugh my ass off and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, crazy times. Yeah. So um, people like Andrew Tate yeah. and Jordan Peterson, you know, they're really popular right now. Yeah. Who do you prefer out of those two and why? I, I think it would depend on the subject being discussed. Because if it's something more scholarly, let's say, I'd probably prefer Jordan Peterson because I know that he's able to pull, you know, from this study that was, that was in 1999 and that contradicts this study from 2008. And he communicates some very, uh, they both communicate very complex ideas in very simple, easy to understand ways. They're maybe two of the top communicators alive today, right? Mm. Um, I might choose Jordan Peterson only because I feel like when I, Andrew Tate, he says a lot of interesting things that I agree with. Or he, he can bring a lot of the, these debates to mind. But I feel like maybe I, under, I understand him better. And the things that he discusses, I have, I have more of, knowledge on already at this moment in time whereas yeah. a lot of times jordan peterson's talk about some shit that i don't even i never even heard of before <laughs> man and i feel like I, I really learned a lot more listening to uh peterson let's say yeah and why do you think people like that are so popular right now well because they're very good communicators and right. they're able to to dive into these taboo topics but back into them in a way that's very interesting to uh to listen to mm. yeah Especially with Jordan Peterson, because he's not so inflammatory with how he speaks. And again, I, I am a... Well, he's become a more, bit more inflammatory, hasn't he, over there? But is it, has he become more inflammatory, or have people just become more sensitive to the things he said? Yeah, but that's a good point. I don't know. I mean, I, I see he's much more emotional now than he used to be. And I think some of the more negative experiences he's had with being super popular have grated on him. I will say, I saw him have, he recently did a very good podcast with RFK, who's a presidential yeah. candidate in the States. And it did seem at times like he was trying to bait RFK into hating on more leftist or woke people. Yeah. And RFK was, I think, I, I would applaud him for it, was not really buying into those things. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe Peterson has it, maybe now he does feel more a need to, I don't know be a bit more inflammatory yeah i mean it'll be interesting to watch the evolution of andrew yeah because you know he was bullish and confident let's call it yeah um you know in his early years and i am um, i know some people have gone out and s seen him you know as he's um stuck on house arrest and apparently yeah. tristan you know his brother yeah. is just like laid back and yeah, yeah whatever and, and andrew's really angry apparently really angry which i can completely understand and that'll yeah. be interesting to see how that unfolds and how long can this be dragged out i mean i don't i, well, I don't par understand apparently two to four years well it seems like they'll drag it out as long as they can well yeah the, they yeah. dragged out the the, how, the the arrest as long as they could and now the house arrest and the case apparently these cases so they've charged or not charged them now they just now yeah. indicted him yes yeah. yeah just now a couple of charges 
Yeah, but apparently he's really angry. He's like bringing in people to just fight every other day. <laughs> like Luke's 48 cage fighter, yeah. 48 fights. Yeah. And he'd come back with loads of bruises because Tate's like, you got life too easy. <laughs> you know, look at your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Let's fight. 16 rounds. Yeah. 1,600 shoulder presses. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. I, yeah. can't, I can't relate though. I've never been no. in a well, cell. Until you, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Until you go through that, yeah, yeah. you can't judge. I just find it a fascinating. Like, you know, a lot of people in the world of business who are naive, they think that, you know, the best way to get good is to make mistakes. And yeah, you know, you can learn from your failure, but I think a better way is to learn from the mistakes of others. Yes. You know, stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, watching what's happening to Andrew is like one of the most fascinating case studies. Yeah. It's like voyeurism, live voyeurism. Yeah. There's so much to learn from that. Because I have a theory as well. As someone who's been on social media a long time and got content, I think he probably started, probably, you know, let's call it on the spectrum or more of an extreme personality, probably. Well, if you look at his earlier content, he, there's a lot of sound bites there. And yeah. you can say they can be taken out of context, but there's a lot of pretty yeah. intense sound bites. Yeah. That's what we saw a year ago, all these montages of the most intense yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. So he starts like that. And then I think he just sees some of his more extreme stuff go viral. Mm. And when you see that, how does that not become an addiction? That's basic human conditioning. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Positive just, reinforcement. Yeah, let's mm. keep pushing this. Let's ride this wave. We saw this with Logan Paul, right? Yeah. The same idea. Yeah. 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 And how do you know where the line is until you've crossed it? Yep. Crossed in, in anything, yeah, in, yeah. in training, yeah. in business, in communication, how do you know where the line is? And, you know, and, and my wife was like, why didn't he just, you know, get to a point and just stay there? I just don't think that's the nature of a man. I think the nature of a man is to push the envelope. But if he's getting, I mean, if you're in his shoes and you're getting all this positive reinforcement. And you're making fucking tens of millions of pounds. Tens of millions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And everyone, you're the most Googled man. Yeah. For one month, right? You have everyone wanting to talk to you. You have every, not just influencers or creators, but every major news network. Yeah. Maybe not all of them. Someone probably don't want to platform him. But, yeah, but, well, most of them do. Yeah. yeah but it, it's tough when you have that much positive reinforcement. If I was in that position, if you were in that position, yeah. we could say, you're no, we results, wouldn't cross the result. line. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but you've been conditioned. But you don't know where the line is until you, you only know where any line is yeah. until you've overstepped it. But if that's your reality, that the more I do this, the more reaction I get, and maybe also the more men that I'm reaching and yeah. perhaps helping, why am I not going to keep doing it? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's basic human conditioning, right? Positive yeah. reinforcement is going to lead to yeah, more yeah. of the same uh, action. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine he probably had some warnings. You know, I've had a couple of people, I don't know if you have, but we've pushed bits, mm. in, interviewed some controversial people, and we've got an algorithm, sorry, a shadow ban, or yeah. we've had a seven-day ban. And it's like you push, you push, you push, and they're like, careful, boy. Yeah. We own you, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. And then you're like, oh, I'll be good, I'll be good yes. for a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you push, and you push, and you push, and they're like, yeah. careful, boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, obviously, I've, I've experienced the same thing. And sometimes you'll experience it from your audience, maybe. Like, yeah. I, I don't like you. Like you get a backlash or, yeah. Yeah, when I interviewed Fresh and Fit, I've been, I've been on their show and I have on my show. They also have, you could say they speak with some, you know, inflammatory, like, uh, rhetoric. Yeah. I think they're, they're good guys. But at the end of the day, I'm happy to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, but I've only had positive experiences with them. But I got a backlash from the audience for that. I can't believe you'd associate with these guys, platform these guys, this, this, and that. Yeah, oh, yeah, we've had that. And then, uh, yeah. but then you also see it from, from YouTube itself where you see, 
one video is demonetized. The next one's demonetized and age restricted. The next one you get some type of temporary ban. Like, woof. Yeah. All right, we gotta play it safe. But and yeah, and it's it sucks, right? It sucks. Any type of censorship sucks. But unfortunately, they are the ultimate arbiter, and like the they're the ones who yeah, they're the ones dispersing our content. Don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. See, this is where the freedom of speech discussion, I think, has become becomes quite complex. Yeah. Because on the one hand, people say we have no freedom of speech. Yes. But I speak to a lot of people, and they're like, "Well, you shouldn't have," because. Mm. YouTube spent hundreds of millions or billions setting up that platform. It's their platform. You yeah. shouldn't be able to go on their platform and do what you want. It's their platform. You should play by their rules. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I believe in free speech. I'm a big like. I like when you listen to Joe Rogan, how he says, look, the way to beat, for, the, to be, if someone's saying something that's wrong and bad, the way to beat that is not to, to censor that, but to have better speech that mm. proves it wrong or to have open discourse yeah. that shows, okay, clearly this is wrong because it can't stand mm. on its own two feet. At, at the same time, I guess I can understand the logic behind if YouTube technically built the platform, even though I guess the content that was uploaded from all of us built the platform. You can also argue that. Mm. I mean, it's not a black and white. I think it should be black and white. I think, I think unless it's like... But a, how is... I mean, life is very grey, isn't it? Like, yeah. where is the line yeah. from what you can say and what you can't? Well, I, th I mean, I think the line should just be that if it's if it's something that's illegal, right? If you're talking about killing someone or something, that that should be not allowed, right? If it's illegal by the letter of the law, then maybe it's not allowed. Yeah, but, but if but, it's opinions, I don't think it yeah, should Yeah, but be. I can say, fuck you. It's fine, yeah. Or I can say, fuck you. <laughs> you, you know, there's context, isn't there, yeah. in everything. Yeah. I, th I think basically everything should go. And I think that the, the platforms will do better because of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately they'll make more money, more advertising money because of it anyway, right? I, yeah. I don't think... Because we recently just saw this with the, the Biden administration. Um, and because during, you know, Elon released the Twitter files. And in that, he showed that, I don't think it was Jack Dorsey, but I think it was some of the middle management had accepted a lot of requests um, from the Biden administration, maybe also from some Republicans and Democrats. They would send them, hey, we don't like this tweet. Can you remove this? Yeah. And they start removing the tweets. And then the, a, a, a Supreme Court judge, I believe, last week made a ruling that they're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. And immediately they're pushing back. And they always use fear, right? They're pushing yeah. back. This is going to be very dangerous to society, that we're not allowed to, to stop the spread of misinformation. Mm. Yeah, what's misinformation? Well, yeah. Whenever you're using fear to justify yeah. something, it's usually, I think, a pretty big red flag. Like, that's, yeah. that's 1984, right? Like yeah. that's the, 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 They're always going to tell us it's for our own good. That's what we yeah. saw with the pandemic and COVID, right? But that doesn't... I don't. I mean, I don't like it. I think everything should go, unless yeah. it's again, if you're executing someone. Obviously, that that's terrible. That shouldn't yeah. be on there. But yeah. yeah. Do you think people are open enough and talking enough about steroid use? No, I think over the last four years, give or take, it's become more open. Um, but before that, I think it was very taboo to even discuss it. Why? <sighs> Keeping up an image. I, don't, I also think that was the culture before, that people would use stories and not talk about them. I think you can justify it that if I talk about it, then maybe a younger audience is going to be empowered to take to go down that route. I think a lot of ego plays into it as well, that no, I'm just naturally gifted or I work harder than you. And I think that was always what was accepted. And because of that, there was no reason to be open and honest about it. But I think now that, A, people have a better understanding of what's like achievable on a physical level naturally versus not naturally, and more people are open about it. You you kind of just look like a schmuck if you're if you're clearly lying about it. And there's a lot of people who are still. But a lot of people are clearly lying about it, aren't they? 
Uh, yeah, it's less than before, but a lot are. But I think at least now, look, if you've been training in the gym for three years and you've been following, you're sticking, you know, you're tracking your diet, you're training, you kind of see what naturally changes happen to your body. And it's, it's still good results. But you don't look, you don't look like, you don't look like this, you know? Yeah, because surely it can't be a good, you're an influencer, you're a role model, you yeah. look good. And there's 17 year olds wanting to fucking take steroids. Yes to shorten the process of how they look. I know because yeah. I know people who fucking give these steroids to people. Yeah. 17 years, surely that's fucking wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're still in puberty, your hormones are still developing, you may like castrate yourself essentially, you know? Mm. It's especially if it's not, because there's a way to maybe more, okay, so I'm on TRT, that's something I'm open about. I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. Right, talk to me about this. I, I want to talk, I'm 44. Yeah. So I just had a, a blood test because I had my fight and I had, I, had, I was t- really fatigued and yes. ended up ha- had anemia. Um, my testosterone is still in the range. Wait, which part of the range? It's the lower part of the okay, range. Yeah, because it's a big range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I talked to my wife. I, I know someone who's just started taking TRT yeah. at 30. Yes because he's been taking steroids for 10 fucking years yeah. and he's got no testosterone. Yes. And uh, you know, he thinks it's gonna be the answer to life. Um, I know Joe Rogan's really open about it. he's on TRT. Yes. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd love to ask you about this. So I'm not, as, it's obvious I'm not on anything. <laughs> it's absolutely obvious. Um, but I am personally considering whether that's, uh, you know, a viable thing. Can you talk openly about the upsides and the downsides of TRT? Yeah, so I started when I was 30 and I, in retrospect, I wish I'd put it off longer. I'm very open about that. Yeah. Once you start it, though, the process of stopping it and then starting again is going to mess with your hormone levels. We, we lost one light there. Should I just continue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Oh, okay, so once you're on it, you have to stay on it. You don't have to, but if you go off it... You'll have no testosterone. Well, it's, it's a risk, right? Yeah. You're, you're, in some cases, your testes will start producing uh, full capacity or close to full capacity based on what your capacity is of testosterone, but that's not guaranteed. That might not happen. Yeah. Might, they might be shut off, so you might be stuck staying on it or feeling miserable. Right. Um, the reasons I started it were, I had been lifting, like I had started lifting 21 years old, and I was nine years consistently in the gym, tracking my calories, working out, and I felt like I had to reach kind of like my genetic potential, and it's a big part of my life. Part of it was curious. I wouldn't want to start doing steroids un- um, monitored by a doctor. So part of me is, hey, this is a way to take a low dose of testosterone, which is an anabolic steroid, while being monitored by a doctor. I'll be curious to see what happens with my body. I'm going to document this fully for YouTube, so I do feel like it's giving a lot of value to a lot of people like yourself who are just like, I don't really understand Mm. it. I I kind of want to see what happens. Um, So the upsides are like definitely more energy. I'd say that's the most immediate upside. As you notice, maybe I don't have a great night of sleep, but I can still wake up and basically operate like at 100%, whereas before maybe I had a bad night of sleep, and I was like, didn't feel like doing anything the next day, right? Um, And that helps when you have YouTube and multiple businesses that I'm managing, so part of it was for that. Um, You also, you know, they talk about like newbie gains. When you first get into the gym, you haven't Mm. really lifted yet. The first three months, you put on a noticeable amount of muscle. I felt like I went through that process one more time right. when I started it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like a, an ever escalating staircase, though, because to get to you, you peak. Yeah, you yeah. peak. You start it. You, you kind of get to like, like a new. I feel like I, my set point, my set weight, where if I, like, I'm not worrying too much about what I'm eating, I like increase ten pounds and mm. ten good pounds, where there's yeah. muscle or water weight in the muscle. Um, 
But in order to like keep that progression going, well, that's where you need to increase the dose right. or add in some D-ball or some mm, trinbolone or is, some Deca. This is what I worry about, the gateway drug effect. Yeah, so I've never, I'm not that type of person, kind of, I don't know. I, I never have really considered the other things, mm. um, but that would be one downside. And I see a lot of guys that do go down that path, right? Yeah. We're like, well, I just want to get a little bit bigger than this now. Yeah. And that's part of maybe the vanity aspect of where like it becomes tied to how you look in the mirror, like while you're doing it or while you're not doing it. Um, so the upside, mainly more energy, more sex drive, which for me wasn't a problem. Maybe it's become a, a bit of a problem afterwards because it's a bit too high, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, more muscle mass. Now, the downsides would be that at times you, you have to like, at first kind of like, there's a bit of an experiment, experiment phase, experimental phase where you have to find the dose that makes sense for you, the frequency of injections that makes sense for you. So you have to fucking inject yourself. Yes. I'm fucking out then. Well, I no, there's different eating. ways. There's I've like a, a there's like a cream now you can put on your scrotum that works pretty well, apparently. You got to do... put a cream on your balls. Yes, like, but that's twice a day or something, I think, whereas the injection is like twice a week, so it's a bit less. Oh, I can fucking not. Oh, I've got yeah. the most horrendous. There's other ways. They can technically put like a chip inside of you that releases it, but they say it doesn't work well. It releases it super high you levels. Put cream the... on your balls. Yeah, that's, the newer, that's the one of the newer ways to do it. Well, that's much easier. <laughs> that's <laughs> much No, you put it like underneath, yeah, underneath. And it abs- that absorbs it the best, actually. Right. Um, um, so there's options, but the downside is that at first is a kind of figuring it out. And when I was in that phase, they started me out on a dose that was probably a bit higher than it should have been. And different people's bodies react differently. So someone who's like a competitive bodybuilder, they're probably someone who has like genetics that allow them to take higher doses and still re- maintain like a relative health to the yeah. point that, I mean, probably top bodybuilders you see, their health's probably not great, right? Because right. they, they have to push the envelope. We're talking about Andrew Tate, but you see a top stage bodybuilder, they're doing the same. They're pushing the envelope to find out where the line is with their health too. Yeah. Um, with myself, I couldn't take that high of a dose without my blood pressure getting high, starting to feel uh, like chest tightness or trouble right. sleeping. Yeah. So now I'm in a range where I, I've kind of experienced the benefits but limit the downside. But there's also like the, the, the question you don't really know is like, is this going to have a negative impact on my long-term health? Like, yeah. is this going to put a little bit more wear and tear in my heart over the next... 20, 30, 40, 50 How years. How do you know until you've gone through that cycle? Yeah, based on the data we have, there's nothing that confirms that, but there's nothing that confirms it doesn't happen either. So I think that if you're doing it with regular blood work and you're monitoring things like your blood pressure as well and you're doing it intelligently, you should mitigate the downsides, but there still might be something there. Mm. And it's important, is it, to get um, diagnosed by a doctor, you know, have it done properly via a doctor? I would say so, because otherwise you're kind of gray market black well, market. well yeah where are you buying it from yeah. also are you doing consistent blood work to make sure these things are in order when you yeah. do it through a doctor at least it's a bit of like a, a system that you can you but know. you can literally go to a doctor can you and say i want trt <laughs> well they have to give you a oh, I, I mean maybe some places i'm sure some places you can um but normally they'd have to give you a blood test to like confirm that you're able to yeah yeah, yeah. wow so um i listen to joe rogan a fair bit i think I think he's good. Yeah. He talks openly about TRT, yes. being on it. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's a bit older than even myself. I think he's what more for like 50. Um, and he has been going on and on and on that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is on trend, is on hardcore steroids. Yes. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. He's, he's, he's gotten older and older and he seems like he's gotten bigger and bigger. But the, but the thing is, there's a saying that like, if you're natural, you can be big or you can be lean, but you can't be both at the same time. Meaning that um, you have to realize when you naturally diet down to get to lower levels of body fat, that 
drastically impacts your hormone levels. Your testosterone's lower. And that's why when you see a natural bodybuilder, yes, they have a very defined, you know, abdominal section. Um, but they look a bit empty. They don't look like they're that, yeah. like, big, right? Yeah, they have muscle mass on them, but their shoulder's not, like, perfectly round. Yeah. So when you see someone who's both lean and big, they're lean, they have a lot of muscle definition, but they have, like, perfectly shaped shoulders, their chest is full, that's usually the dead giveaway that, like, there's there's something else there right. supporting that. It's, so you know, anyone who knows, knows. Yeah, I would say Dwayne The Rock Jones 100%. He's huge. Yeah. He's gotten older and older. He's stayed huge and lean. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I interviewed someone who knows his supplier, shall we say. So Dwayne's supplier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but why won't, why doesn't he just come out and say, hey, I'm on steroids? Well, I think... Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, well, right, maybe he's on TRT, maybe he's on trend, I don't know, but why doesn't he just come out and admit it? Because Joe Rogan seems to be goading him. Yeah. To come out and say it. Well, I think, I can't answer it for him, but I'd say there's probably two main reasons for people like him. One is that, look, if you were from this era where you were doing the, the steroids before, it was like more acceptable to be open about it. I think to now come out and say it is almost like admitting that, look, I was lying to everybody the last 20 years or however long it's been, right? right? And I think there's just some, you know, mental like hoops you have to jump through to be able to like own up to that big of like a yeah. misconception. You probably feel like no one's going to trust you again. Someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a lot of people think he may try and get into politics afterwards. Like right. that might just ends that might yeah. ends that dream of his. And the other option would be that well, there's three. The other option would be he knows a lot of young kids idolize him, and I think he probably would be worried that a lot of young kids would then like think, oh, so I want to be like The Rock, so I, I need to probably take some steroids. Granted, you could argue it's even more dangerous not to be open about it, because now you have a lot of kids who think oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to be like The Rock. Yeah. Bro, there's no fucking chance you're going to be nah. looking like that unless you take steroids. And the third reason, it could be an ego thing, right? That you just like, it, it supports your ego that you tell everyone that this is how right. you naturally are and that makes you feel powerful or something. I mean, do you think maybe if he came out and said it, he'd lose all his sponsors? Is that, is that a risk? That's an, I mean, that's another risk, yeah. Because what's the Under Armour's, I know, is a big one, but yeah. I'm sure he makes a lot of money from sponsors. That's another risk, yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. Crazy times. I, I wish people were just open about it. I think yeah. now influencers are more open about it than they were in the past. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of mental factors there. Yeah. yeah. We just recently, didn't we, had a case where um, a, quite a famous um, fitness influencer died. Yes. Yeah, what, what was his name? Joe Stetics was yeah. his uh, handle, Joe Linder. I think he was German. Joe Linder was his name. And he was he was on steroids? He was open about it. Yeah, yeah. he had said he had changed to uh, TRT recently, but he had definitely had a, a long history of steroid use. He was very open about As it. As in, like, hardcore steroids? Yeah, I believe, because I heard him talking with... No, he did a video opening up about it, and he talked about he was working at, like, a... I think he started, he was working at, like, a nightclub, and some of the other bouncers there were, like, big guys on steroids, and... They just like gave him, hey, just inject this three times a week without him even really knowing what it was. So I think he got started and really messed up his health at first, um, yeah. based on his own account. Yeah. And then little by little, he I don't know, got more intelligent with it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know exactly what his protocol was, but yeah. Yeah. And um, was that? Do we think that was steroid use that impacted his health? I I mean, it was a brain aneurysm, from what I understand, from what so I've heard. He's old. He's so young. It's no age to die. Yeah. No, it's very sad. Um, I mean, that's basically my age, right? I guess I'm 33, but yeah. I think it was a brain aneurysm. I don't know. I've heard people say that that could be purely genetic, that he lost a cousin of his also had a similar thing. Right. I've but heard... there is a lot of people in the bodybuilding world who die young, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, again, if you're doing high doses of these things, usually it's going to be a lot of pressure on your heart. Your blood pressure can be very high. Um, you can lead to things like blood clots because your red blood cell count goes up, so your blood thickness is increased as well. So, this, I mean, you're messing with your hormone levels, so it's not, yeah, there's some danger always there. Yeah. Yeah, all for the... All, all for the purposes of vanity, eh? That's a lot to answer for. Yeah. Some people might argue that if you're doing it as like a career, yeah, that there's some additional incentive there. But do you need to be a fucking professional no, I mean, bodybuilder to have a career? No, but that's some people... Unless you're in a professional bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's some people's dream, I guess. Yeah. 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 I've never had a dream to be a bodybuilder, but there's a lot of people, I, I just know from the industry that I'm in, there's a lot of people that that's they idolize bodybuilders. They want right. to get their pro card. They want to... Step on stage with Chris Bumstead, you know. And is it a case of, well, if everyone else is doing it, I've got to do it. You know, the Lance Armstrong thing where everyone was fucking taking shit, so so does he. Yeah, there's no chance you're going to be a pro bodybuilder in 2023 without taking a lot of drugs. This, I mean, that's... This, the, I think the, the drug usage levels have progressively increased. I mean, is that worth it, though? A not, few years of that, is that worth it? Not for me, no. So, you know, yeah. are we promoting the wrong kind of lifestyle? Yeah. I, I, I mean, if you're, if you're someone who idolizes bodybuilders and is trying to get as big and hold as much muscle mass as possible, but it doesn't take a lot of steroid use to get there. It even takes a lot of steroid use just to maintain that. Because right, if you were to yeah. reduce those levels and your testosterone level drops... You lose all your size. Yeah, that you have to, in order to maintain that size. And that's the, with The Rock, like we're talking about. He maintains size in every movie role. It's not like he just gets big for like no. one movie and then it goes away. I mean, you know, I'm not in the space, but I've interviewed a few yeah. world champion bodybuilders. Yeah. Grumpy motherfuckers. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, like if you're taking, apparently people aren't people on trend, don't they just go fucking insane? Is it does not make you fucking angry and want to eat people's face? Yeah, each drug profile has different, different like adverse effects and things. I'm not that, that familiar with the different ones. I think trend is one that tends to lead to like roid rage. But even if you're in a higher... <laughs> roid rage. Yeah, yeah. But even there's if you're even a, a phrase There's for a it. phrase for it, roid rage. But even if, when I was on a higher level of testosterone, that I, and that was nothing close to what these bodybuilders are on, but was higher than my body was naturally liking, and my chest was a little bit tighter, my blood pressure, pressure was a little bit higher. Yeah, a caged animal. I was a little bit... Triggerable. Yeah, I was more, yeah, I was more triggerable. Yeah. On edge. A little bit more on edge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but we've we've met a couple, you know, world champions. Fucking hell, not very nice. Yeah, not very nice at all. Yeah, I, I don't I don't personally know any uh, like who compete at that level. Yeah, yeah. What's a high value woman? So this is this is no this is becoming like a trending thing lately. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because you can say a high value man, and I can name those three things, and I think most people yeah. would. I don't. I can't speak for everyone, but I think most people would agree more or less yeah. with these these traits i was discussing this with we should ask your um is she your wife you got my wife last year, didn't you? last year yeah we should ask your wife what a high value woman and we can bring her up if you want ah. but me and her discussed this actually right. recently let's could we do that in a minute okay I, right? I, I mean i'll have to ask right, her. let's get your answer then okay. let's get her okay answer. i'll ask her i don't know you know the girls sometimes like makeup and stuff but we'll see <laughs> um <laughs> this will be fun so her answer Let's let her answer for herself. What's your answer for a high-value woman? I, th I don't think it's black and white. I think with a man, it's black and white. And I think with a woman, it's, 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 it's hard to define. Because for me, what a high-value woman would be, but I'm someone, when you're someone who has, let's say, built up your income to a point where you can actually, it's, it's feasible to support someone else. Because for a lot of guys, let's be honest, it's going to help to have a second income in order to support their lifestyle and to potentially support kids. Mm. 
Um, so for them, maybe a woman with a career could be a high-value woman in their case. But I guess that my point is, with, I don't know. I, it's not so easy to say this is a high-value woman. I don't have a clear answer. For me, someone that would be a high-value partner to have in my life would be someone who's really, you know, looking to support um, not just myself, but our relationship and, and our children in ways that are not financial because that wouldn't be something that, that, that I would need them to bring to the table. But I think that's the thing is that high-value man, you can pretty much be like, oh, yeah, it's X, Y, and Z, and high-value woman. It's going to depend who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so loyal, trustworthy, not going to fuck, not going to fuck you over. But somebody, yeah, and this is, this is like the, when you hear. <laughs> Harry's clearly been fucked over <laughs> loads of times. No, but, you, but you, you see this discussed on social media and you're like, okay, but if you said that for a guy, like the high value guy is just someone who's going to be like loyal and treat you well, not fuck you over. Like that's kind of setting the bar pretty low yeah, for a man. Be, that could be deemed as weak. I mean, I yeah. know men who've lost their partners because they weren't strong enough. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they were too supportive. Yeah. I think if you ask a lot of women now, just based on clips I've seen and my understanding, a lot of them are going to say the same things that, that they'd say for a man, right? That she's independent and strong and she has her own career and, and these things that you would typically attribute so to a man. basically be a man. A high-value woman is a man. I think if you asked a lot of random women, that's what they would, that's what they would say. But I think also society has conditioned, uh, I think the education systems have really conditioned women that that's the right. I think women have also become a bit shamed if they just want to be like, no, I just want to be like a good wife and raised kids. I think there's, there's a degree of shame from other women yeah. that that's, that's really all you want. You don't well, want your own career. You don't want to be feminist a... Feminist movement backlash, oppression. Yeah, and it's like, look... too far. Yeah, and my perspective would be, look, if you're a woman who... And there's some women, like I said at the beginning, who are going to have a little bit more masculine energy. And that's, that's always been the case, right? There's always been women who want to prioritize their career over yeah. other parts of their life. And that's fine, but I don't think that should be... Like like have to be copy and pasted onto every woman in existence that you, yeah. you, this is what you need to follow and it's bad to be a traditional wife. So basically men are simple and women are complicated. That's what it sounds like. Breaking news, right? <laughs> yeah, breaking news, yeah. <laughs> news flash. So what's a high value woman? <laughs> I feel like that's a really hard thing to define and I, I feel like it's a double standard because a lot of guys are always like, you know, all the, everyone's asking what a high value man is and it's really easy for people to be like, it's this, this and this. For a girl, I feel like for different guys, it's different things, but I think it's somebody that supports their mission, somebody that is bringing value other than monetary, uh, because I feel like a high value man already has that, has the money, so he's not looking for someone else to bring that to the table. Mm. So it's somebody that can support him, maybe that can cook, that can clean, that more traditional value. Right, and what's a high value man to you? I think it's someone that's a really good leader. Um, that can financially support both of us, um, that can be, make me feel secure and safe in a relationship. I think that's, that's the biggest mm. high-value man. And any, tip, any tips for supporting a high-value man and still maintaining your own sense of self-worth? Because just being a mum and just being a cook, I know, you know I've been married, with my, oh, I've been with my wife for 17 years, and sometimes She's like, who the fuck, who am I? Yeah. Because I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm wiping your ass, Rob, you know, I'm scraping you off the floor when yeah. you're depressed. Yeah. You know, because like, I used to drag her around the world when my son was um, world level golfer. I go to her every six months with like, right, I'm going to have a boxing fight now with someone 20 kilos heavier than me. She's just got to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, how do you find your own identity? Well, I think it's also important to 
you know, believe in the mission. Like, I'm sure she believes in what you're doing and she wants to support it. And she's your emotional support as well. And being your soundboard, I think that's super important. And mm. finding value in that for me is like, I see the business that David has, you know, started running and I, I want to be part of it. I want to see it grow. I want to see it be successful. And knowing that I have a part in that and that mm. like I played a role in that. I think yeah. that's important. But also, finding what you love and being able to do it. So whether it is being a mom or whether it is supporting your husband, whatever that looks like. Mm. So this, David and I were talking about this. There's a fuck ton. I think that's the American phrase for it, a fuck ton, <laughs> which is more than a shit ton, which is more than a metric ton. I'm just trying to... So there's a fuck ton of 19 to 21 year olds that DM me wanting to come on my podcast to, to give relationship advice. I'm like, fuck me, really? You know, what are your thoughts on maintaining a good long-term relationship? You've just got married and yeah, how, how, how do we do that? Uh, I feel like this is a little cliche, but communication is key. And I think it's like the communication that it's not always what you want to hear, but you need to hear. And I think that's really important in a relationship is I feel like so many guys and so many girls are so worried to rock the boat. They don't want to say anything that's going to upset anybody or they're afraid of losing somebody. But you have to be able to be honest and set boundaries. And if something you don't like is your partner is doing, you need to be open about it. Because if not, you're just going to keep sweeping it under the rug and then you're going to explode mm. and it's not going to be healthy. And I feel like that's really hard in today's age with everything going on. Yeah. So is that equal support and challenge? Calling them out on their bullshit, but then supporting them when they need it, knowing when to do either. Yes. And also knowing your own like shit. I think that's a big thing is like knowing like if you've had trauma or knowing your own uh, you know, triggers and things like that. Like being able to be like own your stuff and be like, okay, I need to work on this yeah. because I think relationships are constantly working on it and it's not always easy. No, because you do find that, don't you? A lot of people in, in a new relationship, they're just dragging, they're hauling ass of their baggage of their last relationship. I, I once went out with this girl, probably probably the, the second girl that broke my heart. And she always used to say, oh, my ex used to do that. I That's, hate that. And yeah, I'm like, well, red, fucking go back with him then. <laughs> such a red flag, yeah. Fuck. I think if anyone brings up that, it's not a, not a good thing. Yeah, but how do you do that, though? How do you fucking calm those triggers down? Because sometimes they can be so strong. Well, you need to be able to process everything that you went through. And if you had an issue with your ex, you need to be able to be like, okay, how can I move forward this? What am I looking for in a healthy new relationship? And a lot of times, like you said, people just bring their baggage into a new relationship and think that everything's going to be different. But if you never worked on your shit, like nothing's going to change. You're just going to fall back into the same patterns. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, I feel like they're looking for their future partner to save them, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, I'll get with someone there. They'll, you know, they'll be the perfect one for me. Everything, everything will be great. But yes. yeah, if, if you don't work on yourself, how are you ever going to be able to have a, a great relationship? Yeah, and I think I, when I met David, he was the first person I felt that didn't need me. He just wanted me. And that's so different. That's, that's, in, that's deep. Yeah. Someone who doesn't need you, but wants you. Yeah. Yeah, because it, you can feel very insecure, can't you, if someone doesn't need you? Or it can feel really great if someone really needs you. Yeah, because then you're feeling like you're always like you're important, important in that yeah. relationship. But instead, like I feel like he's healthy on his own and right. he can be self-sufficient. Yeah. But then having me is just a want, and like that, like I can bring something to the table, and so like we can have this great relationship. But he's not going to fall apart if something happens. And I think that's like yeah. when you are being when you can get into a relationship and you're both self-sufficient. I think that's when it's like the healthiest relationship. But if you're going into it thinking you need to change somebody or you need somebody, then that's never going to yeah. be good. Yeah, that's powerful. I saw something that Lewis Howes said, and it, at first it triggered me. 
they basically said, look, if I'm getting with someone, I'm going to tell you, if you do this and this, I'm walking. Mm-hmm. And I thought, fuck, that is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it now. You know, what he was saying was, you know, I'd love to be there for the ride with you. But, you know, uh, I am my own human and these are my boundaries. Yep. And if you step over these boundaries, you know, it's time to move on. Yeah, that, that's powerful shit. Yeah. No, boundaries are, I think they're key. And I think a lot of times when people get into relationships and boundaries are crossed, they're always like, oh no, like I don't want to say anything. Like I could lose this person or I don't know, maybe it's not important, but it, like you need to set that boundary because they're going to keep crossing boundaries yeah. that you're not going to be okay with. Yeah. Something that people say a lot, and to me it's a red flag. I just think you just, you wait. But they say, oh, you know, we've been together three years and we've never had an argument. <laughs> I'm like, you wait until you do. Yeah. The shit is yeah. gonna fly. Yeah. No, I think I think arguments are healthy. I think that, I mean, to a certain extent, but I think you need to be able to talk about your differences and be able to communicate and have that spikes of emotion. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. Yes. Um, who should pay for the first date? 100% a man. Fuck, what is going on? So, the reason so who, who paid for your... Can you remember who paid David, for the first date? David. Okay, paid. so 100% the man. Because he, the man is the person that's setting up the date. He's leading the interaction forward. Well, not necessarily. A, a woman might ask a man out. Maybe, but not in today's day and age. That's my opinion. I don't think that women are... I mean, it could. It can happen. And then if it is, then I guess you could maybe split or the girl could pay. But yeah. in like a more like dating apps or, you know, you're approaching a girl on the street, usually the guy is making the interaction and, and being like, hey, let me grab your number, setting up the date. And then he should be obligated to pay. Now, right. if you're going on multiple dates with a girl and she's never offering, she's never picking up her wallet, she's not doing anything, that to me is just really big red flags and not yeah. worth it. And like also there should be other ways that she does things. So like, you know, maybe she's coming over to your house and she's like, hey, can I grab you a coffee? Or, hey, I'm going to that sandwich shop. Do you want anything? Like also doing things uh, to show that she's she cares and that she's thinking of you. So I think that also yeah. shows that it's not just about like, hey, I'm only expecting the guy to pay. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. I'm wondering if your answer is a man or if it is who asks the person out on the date. I think it's more the man because I think that goes into more of those rules. So even if the man didn't ask someone out on the date? Because I saw 50 Cent and he said, well, whoever asks out on the date pays the bill. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way. But I think I would still think I'd want the guy because, again, I think it's that leading forward. I mean, the guy is leading the interaction. He's leading you to the bedroom. He's leading you to those are the things like I want a man to do. And then if he's not doing it, I feel then I have to wear the pants and I have to be more masculine. And that doesn't allow me to fall into that feminine role, that feminine energy. So I have a different theory. I'm probably going to get fucking hate (laughs) for this. Um, I think on the first day you should go Dutch. Okay. And here's why. Splitting. Yeah, splitting. I have been played like some kind of fucking mug a lot of times. Okay. You know, fortunate enough to be pretty successful Mm -hmm. and worth a lot of money. And fuck me, there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, they want what you've got. Can I ask, what kind of dates are you taking on? Well, like, so I know you're married now, but yeah, let's just yeah, say, yeah. like, what would be your first date? Well, actually, date? This is, see, this is interesting because my first date, we split. And when I offered to uh, buy my wife a drink, she's like, no, 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 I'll get it. And I said, why did you buy me a drink? And she's like, if you're a weirdo, I can fucking leave without obligation. For sure. <laughs> and I'm For like, sure. well, okay. So, but, but was it, would it be drinks for your first date or would it have been dinner? Because I think that's a different story. Because I think a lot of times if it's drinks, it's an easy, you know, it's $10. 
a drink, so it's 20 bucks, and that's low commitment, low commitment for both parties. Yeah. But if you're taking a girl out to dinner and you're spending, dropping 150 dollars, well, then even you're doing that every yeah, week with I, different women. Like I could see how maybe yeah. you want to split. Yeah, that's a, a good point. I think there's a lot more context, and you know, I think everything is context dependent. If you if you ask someone out and you take them to somewhere that's 400, and that they've not got the um, the resources, you pay. But I don't know. I I think it's a it's a bullshit filter, and a gold digger filter. So uh, how should we pay for this? Because the amount of times the fucking hands have been crossed, the legs have been crossed, there's a padlock on the purse. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this, this is fucking dangerous. Agreed, agreed. And I think especially in today's age, especially with, you know, girls going on multiple dates and that kind of thing, I think then there's also other signs. Is the girl like, hey, thank you so much, I'll grab the next one. Like, yeah. is there a communication or is she just like expecting it? And I feel like that's the you yeah. kind of can get the vibe pretty easy. And especially like another thing too, is if you ask out a girl and like, hey, let's go get drinks. And then she's like, actually, let's go to get dinner instead. Well, it's like, well, that's a huge red flag because now she's looking she for dinner. She fucking wants something really good, yeah. Because what you can end up doing is set a precedent, can't you? You can get the first four or five dinners out of obligation and all of a sudden you're just their bitch. Yeah, and she just assumes that you're just always going to pay. Yeah. But David, what do you think? about who should get the first date? I think the reality is, first of all, if you're like a guy and you're not able to like financially easily cover a first date, you should probably be working on that before like you're dating somebody. Right, so get in the position where you can pay and it's not an issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of girls, like regardless what they say or not, if you ask them to split on the first date, they're gonna think of you like, this guy's a bitch. Like, Shit like that I love. <laughs> I, I love challenging people with yeah. the way they think. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't, you don't know me. And, yeah, let's have a little test. Like, I, I always say in business, if you're going to fuck me, fuck me really early. Don't fuck me 10 years down the line when we've been in business and we've got 100 million of assets and then you fuck me because it's going to cost me 50 million pounds. Yeah. If you're going to fuck me, fuck me on the first day. If you're yeah. going to screw me over. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone wants a bit, don't they? There's, you know, there's, the, there's a song and everyone wants to take a bite. You know, everyone wants a piece. So is that not a nice little test? How should we pay? And just observe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if that's your your style, I'd be curious to see what the girl would say. I'm sure. Or I mean, hopefully. it probably depends on the girl, yeah, doesn't exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. Like a girl could be like, yeah, let's split. Or yeah, I get this round, you get the next one. You know, but wait, yeah. I'd be curious to see. Because some reaction might be like appalled. Yeah, yeah. And then and, that, then and you get to me, I'd be like, all right, that's safe. <laughs> that's safe me yeah. a 50 million pound divorce. Yeah. Sure, that's good. Yeah, because, you know, I think you want to be in the circles. I'm in circles with people who we argue over who pays the bill, as in, I want to pay. Yeah. You know, whereas when I went to uni with my friends, you're arguing over, oh, well, I only paid 16 quid and you had drinks. (laughs) You should pay 22. (laughs) I only ate this little piece. Like, you need to pay that. Yeah. You fucking want to cut out all that bullshit. So come on then, what's the the secret? Give us more secrets on, like, a long-term... Happy relationship, communication, not bringing your own baggage, not trying to change people. So I always bring it up, but my parents have the most wonderful marriage. They're so giddy about each other. Like I just see them and I'm like, this is what I want. This is the epitome. And I, my dad always says like, 
she's my best friend and I want to be with her constantly. Like yeah. she's the only, like, if a friend was like, Hey, I want to go golfing or this. And my dad's super into golfing. He's like, if me and your mom have plans, like she's the per like he just puts her above everything else. And the sense of like, he wants to just be with her and like his friends are great and he loves his friends, but I just love that. And I yeah. think it's just like, you need to be able to be around your partner and be able to put up with them 24 seven and yeah. still be, great because I know a lot of couples that are like yeah I'm gonna go away for two weeks and not see my wife and like you know and have that kind of relationship and for me like we work together we live together I'm with David 24 7 and like yeah. I wake up in the morning and I'm super excited to see him again like it's like oh. I'm just constantly happy to be around he's him, like so. correct answer Is that <laughs> the back so I think that's you know yeah. just like enjoying their company yeah is there a fairy tale relationship or are we a bit deluded about chasing the fairy tale and therefore you know, we overlook the realities of sustaining a long-term relationship. For sure. I think a lot of times people think it's not going to be work and that like, you're not going to have, like we've had shit and like we've had to get through it. And I think there's, you know, different hurdles that every couple needs to get through. Yeah. And I think when things get tough, a lot of times people are like, I'm out or like, this yeah. is too much. Do you think much, people or... give up on relationships too easily? For sure. Yeah. Too easy to get divorced. Yeah. Well, yeah. now it is. It's yeah. just like, so I'll, we don't agree on that. I'm done, you know? Yeah, like, unless I have 10 million on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I think, yeah, it, it's it's that the people not being able to deal with like the tough parts of the relationship too. Yeah. Uh, one thing that changed for me with my wife based on the other women that I, I'd been with before. So I would always get with a woman and I'd want a woman to be how I wanted her to be. Mm. And, and, you know, that was just my own insecurities manifesting. And then, you know, when I got with my wife, I realised to me what love was is loving everything about them, including the things about, like my wife, she slurps her tea so fucking loud. Like, like, like I just want to, I, I, like, I, I can't stand people chomping with their mouth open. Yeah. You know, there's all these pet hates and I'm like, I always used to change people to try and be this like, oh yeah, I've got to do whether, you know, but is that, is maybe that the secret to a long-term relationship is loving people for who they are? Yeah. I think so. I mean, there's things like David is always late. And oh, I am, come on, tell us. This is the dirt on David. I am like, what? so OCD. Always late. I have to be like 10 minutes early. I am one of. The, I don't like being late. I don't like no. making people wait. I'm just like, if we have a time to meet, like that's it. Yeah. Him, 20, 30, 40 minutes late. Like he just, he's, he'll be, we'll be like, 40 minutes. we'll be, we'll be literally. <laughs> she, we look, meet, she's got the seat now on your <laughs> show. So <laughs> We'll be meeting at like 7 p.m. Let's say we have dinner plans at 7 p.m. It is 6.52 and he is in his boxers on the computer, still like writing an email. And I'm like, we are 20 minutes away from the restaurant. Like we have to leave. And so now I start giving him checks like, hey, we're an yeah. hour, you know, we're 20 Time minutes. Time warnings. We're, yeah. yeah. But that's the one thing that we what just else? can't. Come on, what else? Do you... We can't, we can't, we just butt heads on that. That's, yeah. that's our biggest, I think. There must be something else. Do you have any tics or no. isms? No. He's not like super romantic, um, but I mean, I, Mate, if you need to get your notepad out here, <laughs> I mean, like that's the only he's he just like instead of like I, I feel like some guys are like oh very like sweet and romantic. He's not so much with the words. Like I can tell he like loves me and he tells yeah. me he loves me, but like there's not going to be like anything super super romantic. He's very right. like tells me what it is. And, right. We yeah. need to get Harry in on this conversation, <laughs> right? Because Harry's been in a relationship 10 years. They've okay. got a good relationship. Yeah. But Harry's like, I'm taking you out for steak, aren't I? That's romance. And here's, do you mind me saying this, by the way, before I say it? <laughs> okay. <Too late. laughs> yeah. So, you know, ha ha Harry's um, uh, girlfriend, 
maybe one day we'll be wife. Um, you know, so similar. I'd like you to be a bit more romantic. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I like it's weird. I'm the opposite. I'm almost, almost like the woman in my relationship. My wife's like <laughs> the man. So you know, I say to her, you know, do you love me? And she's like, well, I married you, didn't I? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but you could. Some- <laughs> so like a little bit more. Yeah, you nice. could sometimes show it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's the, from, from a you know a woman's perspective? How can we be more romantic? What well, you, I think without being a pussy. You well, know? I think it's important to understand people's love languages. And yes. I think like my love languages are act of service. So I love doing things that like making him breakfast tacos when, or like just doing things that when I'm at the store thinking of him like acts of service. Acts of service. But mine right. are like the little notes or like flowers randomly or him making yeah. me a coffee and he's not really good at that. So like we, that's like <laughs> to him he's like, but I don't want that because his love language is touch, physical touch. Right. So to him he's like, just give me a hug and yeah. like let's cuddle and I'm good, you know? Yeah. But me, I'm like, I want like those little cute notes or I want flowers randomly and to him it's like, I don't need those, but why would I, you know? So like yeah. that's one thing is just like kind of figuring, and this is later in life, right? Yeah. Like when you're with someone for, we've been together seven years. so. Mm. Just understanding people's like love language and figure out like how can you you know support them yeah. like, through that. Yeah. Have you asked What's Jade your what her love language is? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I had this knowledge before I went into my relationship, and so you know I said to him, I was just chatting to her in the car. We're on like date number six or whatever, and we're in the car. And I said, so how do you know when you loved? And she went, when someone makes sacrifices for me. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so right. if I take a day off work. To put her first before myself, you know, that would melt her. That's her love language. But like, yeah. sometimes I stare at her with these loving eyes and she's like, yeah, no, that's What not. the fuck is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah. What are you looking at? Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah. What's going on? That's so, like totally not, but yeah, that's your love language. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need yeah. in a relationship. So, that, you know, if, if people are armed with this knowledge of understanding these differences, you know, because there's that book, isn't there? Men are from Mars you know women are from venus yeah you know, we are almost like a completely different species yes yeah trying to like somehow live together like a cat and a dog yes and figuring out just like how each other tick and that's i think that i think that's important yeah so as david's channel's blown up because you know he's got what 1.4 million by the way have you ever been on his channel before yes oh okay cool yeah a lot of yeah so um, have you seen it change? Have you seen David change? You see, has he become a twat as he's got successful? How's the content evolved? Yeah, no. Has it gone to his head? <laughs> You're going to wish I'm, <laughs> I've got this seat now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's definitely evolved uh, and changed. I mean, when we first started dating, he had just started YouTube. So he had, what, did you have like 2,000 subs? Not even. Yeah. Um, and... So I, I really didn't understand what he was doing. I was just like, sure, like I'll help you. And then he started kind of blowing up through his approach videos and I was the one filming them. So yeah, I just that's like, interesting. Yeah. Hey David, go and chat up women. I'm cool with it. <laughs> and I was, yeah. I, I don't know. I was like super secure in the relationship and I, I knew that it was for content and yeah. to help people. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll film these. Mm. And, um, but yeah, no, through the years, like just seeing how they have evolved through his creativity, but also just like the error, like of like now we're in 2023 and now that, you know, big red pill and like all of like just the change and the wokeness and the mm. feminism and all mm. everything and how like that, this is like a new wave of YouTube. So yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's really interesting to see. And um, no, I don't think fame has gotten to his head. If anything, like 
him on camera and him off camera are very different. He's very introverted. He's very quiet. But on camera, I think he puts on more of a, you know, because you can't just be like super quiet on camera and like mm. have people watch, you know. So I think he he's a little different on camera versus off camera. But no, I think I mean, I love what he does. And I yeah. think the message he sends everybody is amazing. And the following he has and how many people he's helped is just incredible. Yeah. David, do you mind if we do the quick fire round with your wife? Is that all right? I don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's do it. So we always do a quick fire round, David. <laughs> all right, all right. And, um, you know, they're just a bit of fun. Normally sort of 30 second answer or whatever. Would you rather have one million cash, it's right there, you take it, or one million engaged followers on social media? Which one would you rather have and why? Cash. Cash? Yeah. Why? Um, I'd invest it and do stuff with it. I mean, I'm... A million followers is cool, but to me, it's like I don't. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to like put up content and stuff like that. Versus, I'm sure he took the million. Yeah, but then followers. what would you take? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because yeah, like, sure, yeah, exactly. See, surely, I just to me is like I I'd rather just invest it and not yeah. have to deal with the headaches. But he would probably take that. Because yeah, because yeah. <laughs> a million engaged followers, you should be able to make way more than a million pounds. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to like do the work to like do the you know have the following and stuff. So, yeah. just, so you just cash. take the million, invest cash. it. Yeah. Yeah, and just live my life. All right, deal. Okay, <laughs> can money buy happiness? No, uh, to a certain extent. I think that what do they say? After five hundred thousand, there, there's no difference when someone. Well, makes over actually, it. I think this, the research is seventy thousand. Yeah. I don't. 000? I I think that's bullshit. No, but, I, I um, do too. Yeah. Uh, then I think it, I would think a, a little bit more. I think yeah. when you get to a point where money is like. You're not worried about finances necessarily. I think then yes, it can help with your happiness. But I think you can still um, like we just were with this couple yesterday, and this is so sad. But they lost their baby, oh, and uh, yeah, and they have more money than. And so it just like they it does it can happen yeah. to anybody. You can have loss. You can have all these things, and money can't buy no. that child back. You know what I mean? So. But can't money buy really great healthcare? Can't money buy investing into all this longevity? Can't money buy putting a big tip on a meal, can't money buy, oh, I'm gonna get on a plane today, and I'm gonna go and hang out with How to Beast. For sure. Can't money buy that shit. For sure, and yeah. I think there's a level of it, I mean, but then we've known people that have more money than God and that are struggling to, with depression and can't seem to get out of bed, and it's yeah. just like, you know, so I think it- Yeah, because money, it makes you more of who you already are. Yeah, so I think there's pros and cons. If you use it right, yes, I think yeah. you can definitely be happier, but- Yeah, this is a good one for you, actually. Should you mix? business and pleasure, you know, family and business. I worked with my wife for five years and we were on the edge of a divorce and she fired me and that saved our marriage. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that it's hard because we, we do that together and it, yeah. it works really well, but I also know other people that it doesn't work for at yeah. all and it has ruined relationships. So I think you need to figure out what type of relationship you have and if you're a relationship that can sustain that. Also, did you start out like that? Because I think we kind of started out like that, even yeah. when I had my own career and then I quit my job to work for him. But I, we, I still always kind of helped him versus somebody that you just like start a business together after you've been married and then hope it works. I don't I don't know. Yeah. But to me, I, I can only speak for what I know and yes, it works for us. Sure. but. Great. Um, what would you say is your biggest mistake? Biggest mistake? Oof. I think it's, I was very close-minded before I met David. And I think I, I wish that I was more open-minded and I feel like I self-corrected and now I'm super open-minded. I'm open-minded and then I can hear both sides of things. But before mm. I was just very close-minded and I think that's a lot of people these days and I wish that people were open to having more conversations even if you didn't agree with it. Yeah. 
And what about your biggest regret? Biggest regret? I don't know. I, and I, I, it's hard because I feel like if you regret something, then you wouldn't be where you are today. Mm. So, you know, I could say I regret some things, but then I don't know if I would have met David. And then, yeah. so I don't think I really regret anything. You see, everyone says that. And I get that because, you know, if you're okay with the journey that you're on. But if we had our time again, surely there'd be a something we wouldn't do or... I mean, it's so hard. Again, like, part of me is like, well, I, should I have not gone to grad school in Boston and, and kind of, you know, left the family and tried yeah, to I mean, different. I definitely regret going to university. Yeah, like, I mean, I... I wasted I, a lot of years. I yeah. mean, I have my master's and I don't really use it anymore, so... Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I regret that. No. No. So you don't look back. You look forward. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's the most brutal life lesson you've ever had? Brutal life lesson I've ever had. Oof, that's a hard one. I think it, it it goes back to like I was living in a bubble before I met David. I lived in New Hampshire and I was very like just surrounded by liberal people and everything that they believed. And then I moved to Texas and that was the first time I heard people being like, you're moving to Texas? Like, do you know what happens down there? Like, they are crazy. And I just remember being like, what are you talking about? Like, but then like when I moved it, like, my bubble burst and I like realized there was just so much more to life and so many different sides and so many different things and I think yeah I think that that opening my eyes to that kind of stuff but yeah yeah I don't really it's not a really good answer that's a good answer it's your answer (laughs) um what are you a most excited about for the future and b most scared about for the future I'm so excited to see where the businesses are going to go and to see them keep growing and how they're going to evolve I love that Uh, And then I'm more, I think we're thinking about having kids soon. So like bringing in children into this world. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to, do they? Yeah, yeah. and I think it's just like there's so many unknowns and like that's scary. Yeah. And this show is called Disruptors. So what does that word disruptive mean to you? Not doing the status quo, like breaking past different barriers and like, disrupting how what people think is the norm. Mm. That's what mm. it sounds like to me. And let's do a shout out for David's show. Where should everyone go to follow David? How to Beast. Do you even know what How to Beast means? Because everyone, every time I talk to is like, what's How to Beast? I, I don't, yeah, what, is, <laughs> yeah. what does How to Beast mean? You say, you say what you think of it. I mean, the way I interpret it is a man that wants to be like a beast in life. And like, so it's like the... So how to grow hair? Yeah, well, or, or just like how to be like a like a beast in like whatever career. How to be a career. sigma male. <laughs> I thought of it on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, yeah. so so the channel's called How to Beast mm-hmm. on how YouTube beast. and Instagram and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And is the podcast the same name or is it you've no, just launched the podcast? How to Beast Talks. How to Beast Talks. Yeah. All right, you on Threads now? Are you yeah. jumping on Threads? How to Beast. I signed up. I got two. Posts. Yeah. Right, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And full name, so we can do a bit more research on on how to beast. David de las Marinas. Nice. Well, thanks for allowing us to come to your crib. Thanks Look at the view. Us. I know. Yeah, we're going to go and get some lunch now. There's and live the dream. Spots. Yeah, thank you. Of I course. hope we didn't take up too much no. of your time. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah.